Hi, everybody. Welcome to FNS Wrestling Podcast, episode 75. I am your host back in the basement with my co-host and teenage son, Jackson. Say hello, Jack. Merry Christmas, folks. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is Christmas Day. Hope you're having a great holiday. If you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. No matter what you're celebrating, hope you're safe and happy and hopefully living under fewer restrictions than we are in our current yeah. situation. We're down to no more than 10 in a household. Yep. Um, and uh, also, I guess, um, the so I did go to the movies again the day after episode 74. Right. And so now there's no food or drink. They're like, you can't buy any food or right. drink. You can only get tickets and then watch the movie. So that's fun. Yeah. So we've got your aunt, your mother's sister here for Christmas and then their father and wife are coming so grandma and grandpa are coming for turkey dinner tonight so we'll have turkey with all the fixins and everything so and we're thinking about it because it is the week of christmas it's changing the format of this show a little bit right uh we checked out nxt uk but it was in fact just a highlight show so really only featuring right. two matches a kid and Devlin it and was then... funny there was they were talking about like the Iron Man match right? there was a package and then I was like oh it's Jordan Devlin isn't it as a joke and then it was actually Jordan Devlin yeah. and I was just like oh my god because I didn't even know they had that match and then I think the other match what was Mako Satomura and Kaylee Ray oh, okay. which they... I did really think was a good match at least they picked good ones so we won't be covering that um in addition I sort of checked out Impact before we did came they down do the here same thing? they are also right. doing a highlight show. I did see a thing that they both did holiday shows I didn't really know what that meant, so like obviously, and then we checked it NXT again. Like I saw it impacted the same thing, so I figured it would probably be similar. Yeah, so um, it looks like we'll cover AEW Dynamite in depth as we usually do. I'll go over uh, NXT 2.0 quickly in yeah. any other wrestling business while you laugh at me. Yep. Uh, and then we are back to we a rewind. Brought back the rewind match, yeah. Right. So we'll talk about that. So it might be a bit of a shorter episode, but that's okay. It is the holiday, so we can spend a bit more time with and our family or eating or opening gifts. Sooner or later, the year-end awards will be out. Um, yep. I don't know. We still gotta have our meeting. Bit of a process, but um, that'll definitely. We'll try to get that out maybe by the end of the break or something. And you're also possibly thinking once you open all your gifts, if you have in fact received some wrestling figures we may do just for a youtube portion right a little first video maybe of some of the stuff you got if we find the time and inclination and i have the skills to get that accomplished yeah, is the big we'll question see. right so keep an eye out for any of those things uh that those might be happening uh so if you'd like to contact us fns wrestling at gmail.com fns underscore wrestling underscore podcast yeah. on instagram or mm -hmm. leave a comment in youtube i promise one of us will get back to you no matter what you have to say we always send a reply even if it is if even if it's very insulting i welcome that there's thing. only been one that was really insulting remember oh, really? it was the most what was it he's something about most miserable podcast ever i think was what he oh, said thank you that is accurate <laughs> i replied and was, I, I think i asked for any specific feedback but i never heard any you know i was like I thanks mean, for the listen and we're not for everybody would you have any actual concrete suggestions that would help us out i think he's accurate because no i'm pretty tired a lot and pretty I'm, miserable. i am miserable we're miserable Many people Many times, so yeah, I think uh, whoever that is, he's a smart fellow. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot worse things I could be called than miserable. So that's I mean, true. At the end of I the mean, day, to, I think I've been called I think worse. you'd be happier because we're less miserable. Because um, maybe our role is to make people feel better about themselves because we are so miserable. Right. Or and I was thinking like maybe I'm less miserable now because I I don't watch NXT. Yeah, that didn't hurt. And someone told you you were miserable, so you've made a change. Mm -hmm. You really look deep within yourself. <laughs> 
Right, and, and like and since, I'm coming across as miserable to that one random guy out there in the world. Since the 30 seconds need... that you just reminded me, I've been, I've been, cha- I've been. Reflecting. You're a changed man. So yes. whoever that was, thank you so much for yes. improving the quality of our life. Yes. But anyways, I don't know. Should we? See, get... we we give shows to people who say stuff. <laughs> I don't remember his name, but it might not have even been him. I I shouldn't be assuming, but who knows? <laughs> Felt like it was a guy insulting us, but it didn't bother me. I replied. Uh, anyways, should we talk? Anything else you want to talk about before we get into talking about wrestling? Uh, oh, my advent calendar's done. Now. Oh right, the Lego so, calendar. Yeah, I got an Infinity Gauntlet with all the stones for the last. You're pretty one. excited about that. So with yeah. extra stones. Yeah. So um, it's it's really funny because so anyone who likes Marvel knows I got like the Infinity Gauntlet for last day. Lego Infinity Gauntlet got all six stones, like four of each stone, and all in like one thing, right? Which I think is really funny because um. Initially, when Infinity War came out, which was, like, the first movie which had, like, Thanos and the Gauntlet and whatever. Right. They did, like, the classic, like, marketing thing where, like, they put the different stones in different sets. Of course, sets so you have to whatnot, buy multiple right, things. Right, in the whole wave. So then, like, Smart. try to make you buy as much of the wave as possible. Right. And then, it was funny, then now, now this is, like, You got them all. all. In one you packed it. In one fifty dollars set. Because, I think it's $50, right? The advent calendar, I want to say? Somewhere around there, yeah, so, I yeah. think. Um, pretty nice. And then you put the leftover stones as, uh, things on the tree that, that was oh, ornaments. on the 23rd. Things so. on the tree. Your vocabulary They're never not necessarily ceases to amaze me. Ornaments. Put the uh, things on the Christmas thing. Christmas tree lights, I guess. <laughs> but now I got, and I did get like a Lego set for my grandparents last weekend. Yes, you did. So. A large um, one. Yes. And then I got Thanos with the gauntlet. So my master plan is now complete. Very good. Yes. I'm proud of you. Thanks. That glad it all worked out for you. Yeah. Time to talk about wrestling, I guess? Sounds right. All right. And our first segment is going to be us looking at the week's wrestling news and rumors. So taking a quick look at ratings, Tuesday's live edition of WWE NXT 2.0. Featuring AJ Styles. True, yes. Drew 591,000 viewers, which, which is actually up a little bit. Well, yeah, that feels like one of their like desperate... like. Hey, ratings! So they were up 5.35%, but the 0.11 they earned in the 18 to 49 demographic is down 21.42%. I will celebrate any loss for them. So down quite a bit in the key demo, which I've had explained to me, well, not to me, but listened to a guy explain it to anyone who was listening, that that is what they care about more than the overall viewership is that demographic. the money like spending the, that's the money that's the money demo right that they're right. gonna buy merch and do whatever uh so the, the key f- demo as they say right the fourth lowest viewership since the rebrand to 2.0 and <laughs> tied for the lowest demographic rating since that um, nice. switch to contrast wednesday's live holiday bash edition of aew dynamite drew 1.02 million up 7.59 percent earned a 0.37 in the 18 to 49 demographic which is up 19.35%. So really good numbers. Best viewership numbers actually since October 6th. So back up over that million, which is always the threshold I'm sort of looking at for whatever reason. So it was a pretty big show, right? With uh, They had sort of promoted Sting being in that trios match and whatnot, which we don't care much about, but people do. So a good rating for AEW uh, this week. I hate people. Yes, people are the worst. Yep. What do you have for news? All right, so I would, if I were... If you don't want spoilers for tonight's uh, Christmas edition of Rampage, I would say skip forward, like, I don't know. I'm not sure how much. Give us, like, 60 seconds. Give us a minute or so, yeah. So I'm going to talk about that in three, two, one. 
So, uh, one of the biggest news points that probably won't be talked about for a bit is, in fact, the Rampage results where Cody Rhodes has now won his third TNT Championship. The most Cody thing ever is him winning the TNT title for the third time on Christmas Day. I was telling you, though, I've been very underwhelmed with Sammy Guevara's yeah, run. but I think some I've liked some of the matches from him. The matches have been fine, but he's just character-wise and whatever, he's just not interesting, right? right? I thought he was going to be a really strong babyface champion, and he's not. Yeah, but I really think they could have held out, and then, like, he, he. I think he should have then lost it to one of the men of the year. I think they're both good candidates, or hell bring back kip saving because they had the first kip aew Sabian. match together so i'm right. just, or or for ben door they should have brought in taylor rest i'm telling you man and again if cody is not allowed to go for the main title the main championship which he's not this is what you're gonna get i think if he right? turns heel i'll give it a chance but if he does not then i hate you cody and i actually didn't mind his run with it the first kind of lengthy one he had i kind of no, that it, worked so. and then i and then you got killed by Brody lee and that was awesome and that then, was awesome yeah um other minor things uh jungle boy beat isaiah cast by submission Hook defeated Bear Bronson by submission. Big surprise, I yeah, know. Hook. And Chris Dylander defeated Layla Hirsch by submission. Yeah, it was a submission night. I'm glad to see Hirsch is back because she's been MIA for and, a while, right? Um, interesting note: Rhodes finished Guevara off with several moves towards the end, including a pedigree. Yeah, of course. Uh-huh. But he's not a heel. Uh, and a few crossroads. Right. So that's not a heel. Nice. Though. See, I, I don't know. I'm okay with the title change. To be honest, we'll see where they're going with the Cody uh, character. I'm really mad. They should have. They should, unless they're turning him heel, honestly, they should have gone a different direction. You know how I feel about him, but he does elevate that belt, I find, a little bit. He is a major star. He's not the generational I, star he thinks he is, but he's a big star. I just hate that he's held it three times before anyone's yeah. held anything more than once. That like, is true. It's just ridiculous. It's very Cody Rhodes. It is. Uh, so Dave Meltzer reported last week in the Observer newsletter that Sami Zayn has possibly, but nothing confirmed, re-signed based on locker room talk, still to be confirmed, as I said. Apparently, they have long-term plans for Zayn, or at least I would suggest they're going to tell him that while they're trying to sign him. I wouldn't necessarily trust that. I'm not sure. Yeah, I I don't... Just based on what he's been doing lately. But apparently, they're taking that as an indication that rumors are true and that he has re-signed or they wouldn't be considering him for anything long-term. Much like the Kevin Owens signing, as far as I'm concerned, Sammy's a smart guy, and if he determines this is what's best for him and his family, then I'm happy for him, right? If he's making an informed decision... That's true, that's true, right? I believe that he and Kevin Owens are smart guys, so yeah. they're doing what's best for them. So that's great. Then again, there's not room for everyone in AEW, so hopefully, I'm sure he's going to be making decent money to stay if he is in fact. I staying. really hope he turns babyface again, because honestly, they need one. And, and he's, he's an awesome babyface. He really yes, is. He is an awesome babyface. I, I used to think he's great. I mean, I mean, he's not their ideal world champion. And honestly, I'm not sure if I 100% see him as a world champion. But like, no, I don't. I don't, I, they need anyone at this point. But an awesome Intercontinental Champion? Sure. Like any other sort of champion? Yes. Yeah, I, think. I, I would even give him a run at the title because honestly, who else are they going to give it I to I besides no Roman? It's There's honestly, nobody like, believable. I'll take anyone at this point and the beefy seems it would be amazing. And this Roman Reigns character that was so great and so like strong last year. is now just killing, ev- like, and, I mean, to be hard fair, to envision someone beating him. Owens was a pretty solid Universal Champion yep. back in the day. So, I mean... It, it, would, it would be fair to give Sammy a chance, too. It would. Um, And th- so this is very interesting. I'm sure you will agree. Uh, <laughs> Miz and Maurice are set to renew their vows, air quotes, oh boy. next week on Raw in a wedding segment, which 
we all know never go wrong what could be better than a wedding related segment right in and pro it's wrestling? even better because miz is not at all caught up in any feuds with um someone who is also part of a married wrestling couple right nothing right? at all so, it couldn't be leading to anything no um and i there's no possible way that we will get any sort of mixed tag match out of this right with punk and aj lee cross promotion <laughs> right <laughs> yes that's exactly what i was thinking of. yeah uh, so I had one, thankfully, I mean, did mention Miz. it looks like Piper Niven might be getting her name back, which I would be great with. A do drop. So D- the WWE recently filed for the name Piper Niven that she used in NXT UK. And a, probably another sign she might be getting repackaged is that she lost clean to Bianca Belair, right? Which it, you don't see that often on WWE TV. So it's kind of like they're finishing her off to maybe bring her back maybe as something wanna, else. You- dare they even dare like go like a trade route trader to smackdown because i don't think and give her a fresh start right that would make sense the women's division really like i'm struggling to think of anyone outside of the established ones like the four horsewomen which bailey's been gone for a while belair um i guess Liv morgan the crowd wants Liv morgan i don't know how good she is she's not but so dewdrop has lost every single match since october um the name was really only created specifically for her storyline with eva marie who is now gone right so um and i mean i would suggest it's a stupid name as well i really don't understand why as soon as she ditched eva marie and eva marie was gone they're like hey my name's not you draw my name's right. piper niven and piper niven's cool so i think it would be great she's, she's a talented okay. I never, performer i never loved her a ton she's been wasted since she's been there like they need to actually let yeah, her do she's something. never been my favorite but the whole dewdrop thing was definitely really a waste bad. of her time yep anything else you got um i thought this was kind of interesting definitely um feeds into what the direction of a certain wrestling promotion but certain Jonathan, promotion uh gresham johnson gresham is set to defend the roh title which he won at final battle against chris saban at impact wrestling's hard to kill pay-per-view so right that kind of feeds into like the whole super indie thing yeah like, he'll be he could be like a traveling champion i wouldn't even be surprised if uh ew brings it in at some and point. that'd be a good match i'm i'm a bit confused because i told you i checked out the roh weekly show and it was new matches so i don't I'm know thinking, if they just taped a bunch at the final pay-per-view and this is what if we're they're getting just like stretching it out till at right. least um january because it was dak draper and somebody is it I like they're taking a break for the first quarter 2022 so yes. maybe they're just taping to come back they're just like taping April. for the end of december i guess that could be finish the year right so that's kind of interesting and so i was really confused because bandito was the champion right. but then um jonathan gresham beat lethal for the original roh yes. world title which at first i thought he just won the pure title and then i looked closer and i was like oh that's the roh title because they're like so similar i think bandito's just like gone and that title evaporates i don't know what'll happen with that because yeah. i don't think he i think he'll sign somewhere right and then he's not in india anymore unless it's somewhere that lets him perform elsewhere right i guess right. that's possible um a little bit sadder news tay conti has left social media for a few days uh, she deactivated her Twitter. Did you hear about this? Um, People maybe. suck, man. <laughs> she deactivated her Twitter account after being harassed by fans who decided to jump to conclusions on her friendship with Sammy Guevara because Sammy just recently broke up with his girlfriend of a long time. So the speculation has always been in a bunch of vlogs and stuff with Tay Conti. So it's oh, her wait, fault. the one that he proposed to? Yeah. Really? Yeah, they broke up. That is interesting. So Conti and Guevara have been Oh, I seen... did see Sammy posted that so they... actually because I follow him. Right. So they've been seen a lot together and fans attacked her, I guess, um, because he announced his relationship with his longtime girlfriend. Was ended... it Pam? Yeah, I think so. It's just brutal, right? That people like who will never meet her and are hiding anonymously. Well, and honestly, like, 
that's fine. If right, that's like, what's happening, then who cares? People are just. I mean, right? sure, it sucks for Pam, but like, it's not like she's like a. Well, Sammy re- released something. I think like, he said they've been broken up for quite a while, but this is um, them publicly. I don't know if any of it's right, true, yeah, but know. who and, cares, right? And if that's what they, him and Conti are doing, I don't care. Nobody's business, right? It's just ridiculous that anonymous people behind their keyboards are harassing her to the point where she's taking a break. But anyways, yeah. that's what happens with this stuff. Yep um let me see um the eight on raw the aj styles and omos team splits match confirmed for next week's raw well it's got to be on nxt man right and i mean that's good because i really feel like aj styles needs to be propped up and so i think omos will (laughs) do that for him who's the heel in this confrontation Um, do you know i haven't seen it so i don't know i'm not Um, sure I don't know. I, I, I would hope it's not AJ because I feel like almost could like just do like a big man heel thing. And then also I feel like AJ hasn't been a baby face in a while. So I but AJ's on that. NXT feuding with a mega heel. So that would lead me to believe AJ's I the face. I feel like that was a one-off. Maybe. I don't, I'm not sure. I think we're getting a match between them. Or at least that, yeah. Or like for them also Brian And Kendrick. Waller does mention the almost situation in, in his promo. In a cyber, you're, there's going to be Brian Kendrick. And a reference to Walter... Yeah, I heard that they're teasing him. Yeah, that would be amazing. That'd be cool. I Walter I Riddle. That Kendrick has to job to of course Harland because probably yeah, Brian Kendrick's great. He is pretty cool, actually. Um, what else do I have here? WWE. <laughs> you saw this too. I actually watched this match randomly, right? Because I was curious to see her wrestle again. Uh, a match repeated, sorry, reportedly needed heavy editing before making it to television. So. Uh, Lash Legend, I'm not going to call her Lash LaRue because that's not true. He is a actual wrestler who probably never had a match this bad in his life. But um, it was Lash Legend taking on Saray on 205 Live. And, and FYI, Saray is pretty good. Saray's not bad. So this was a really bad match. And then it turns out that um, people are considering it one of the worst WWE TV matches in quite some time. But now the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reports that the match had to be heavily edited before it made it to TV <laughs> because it was so bad. So this, it's noted that... That's the funniest thing ever. This was one of WWE's most edited matches and that the bout was cut down to three minutes of quote-unquote highlights, like the least <laughs> bad stuff they could find. And, still, and it still sucked. In that form, it was described as the worst WWE TV match this year. And basically, as we are saying, right, Lash Legend is the one being blamed for the match because Saray is experienced and not a bad wrestler. So I did watch it. It was really bad. And now... <laughs> Even in the highlights. Right. Like now knowing that those were the highlights of what was left. That's like, just sad. It's not, it was pretty ugly. Yeah. That's yeah. that's great. I, I Hey, I'm just glad to know that her wrestling's as good as her promos. I, her promos, I thought there was potential. The wrestling, nah, I'm not seeing it. it. She's she's big. But other than that, I don't see much. Um, WWE canceled another live event over here in Canada. Yes. Uh, I was going to say our neck of the woods, but not really, because it was one in Quebec from for set for yeah, December. Yeah, Quebec is setting records for cases set for in December thirtieth. Um, that's been moved to March sixth of next year. Should that work out? Yeah, Quebec's not really good. We're at even today. Ontario was over nine thousand cases Yeesh. today. Not great. Um, We're but I think great. hospitalizations are the main thing we have to worry about, right? So if the healthcare system can handle it, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But anyways, my last one is that. Two former WWE stars set to return to Impact Wrestling. Any guesses? Mm. It's a package deal, I'll give you that. Oh, uh, the Canalysis. Correct. Yeah, I saw. Um, noted by Meltzer again in the Observer Newsletter that Mike Bennett 
looks to be making his impact return. And usually where he goes, Maria Canellis, his wife, will join him. Maria so sucks. I'm not a huge fan of either of them, particularly Bennett. But I do, you know, looking at it objectively, I think he's a good fit for impact wrestling, right? Like, he's never going to be a big star anywhere else. Is because he still a tag champ in ROH? I think he and, him and Taven. Taven. Right. Like, Bennett's good in the TK ring, Ryan. but he's not great. And he's a good on the mic, but he's not great. And I just can't believe him as a babyface ever is my problem, right? Like, he's a heel to me. Yeah, I remember, like Cody. I remember seeing the Kingdom of Bennett. I don't know why. I was like TK Ryan. I don't even remember that guy. He was briefly with them, yes. Yeah, he teamed, He was the guy with uh, Taven always. Yes. I, I didn't mind Taven, then I liked TK Ryan. I'm not a Taven or a Bennett fan. I don't remember TK Ryan, other than you liked him. For some reason i don't I inexplicable just being good yeah it's one of those yeah um any other news from you i am tapped um out. jr will be back on uh next week's dynamite right after some skin cancer stuff and that's good he's I, back quicker than i would have thought i so seen like good. he's been doing treatments or whatever because i think i follow him not yeah i follow him. not that i super have missed him because i don't love i always i've said it a million times i want him to just move into the backstage interviewer like sit down interview pre-recorded guy that and step away from the him, booth. Yeah. That would be my ideal. But still, I mean, I'm glad he's he uh, recovered quickly. Right. And per Dave Meltzer, John Gargano is heavily considering an AEW offer, as if he can't. Right. Um, to sign as soon as possible. I guess I don't know if his contract's up yet. Or. Uh, I think it is. I think he's done, and he's just on a break right now until he just signs wherever. So I just watched like a half hour match with he and Kyle O'Reilly and PWG from. I actually don't know what year it was, but it was pretty pretty good match working my way through some old PWG stuff while I have some time. Is that it for news from you? I'm done. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of news and rumors and take us into our first in-depth review. And that's taking a look at this week's AEW Dynamite. And we open the show with my boy Adam Cole taking on that guy, Orange Cassidy. Yeah, right out of the gate with this one. Yep. Uh, in a very slow starting match that eventually <laughs> got good. Yeah, you looked at me at one point when it's like, is it just me or is this like kind of slow? And I was like, I was just thinking the exact same thing the first few minutes, right? I think it came into it, but it definitely I, I don't disagree. So, but, but anyways, go ahead. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it after. Um, Cole does the Adam Cole baby, but then Cassie puts his hands in Cole's hands in, Cass- in his pockets um holds encounters which that may or may not have been the first half of the match there was a lot of holds or like not the section but like in general that was like the first half of the match yep uh backstabber by cole um later on tilt world ddt for two by cassidy um then a little later on as well um cutler and the bucks come out but cassidy takes out cutler and the best friends attack the bucks followed by cassidy hitting the bucks with the suicide dive that um, looked pretty nice. Yeah. A strike exchange, both Cassie hitting lazy strikes until a super kick. Um, Cole counters a suplex into that Patel drop ring buster for two, which I really like. Looked awesome. Um, later on, Cassie is able to hit a dive in DET for two. Um, Cassie does a hands in pocket dive, but gets caught with a super kick, and Cole falls off with a Panama Sunrise for two. Bodyfish distracts the ref as, as I anticipated, Kyle O'Reilly yeah. comes in and nails a KTFO, which is essentially like the axe kick. Uh, forearm combo on Cassidy and Cole falls with the boom, but I still call it the last shot because I like that name better for the win, which is that shining wizard with the knee exposed. Post match, we get a bit of a brawl. Um, uh, Cole and O'Reilly have a brief standoff, but then they just go on the best friends. 
And we get O'Reilly and Fish, collectively known as Red Dragon, back. Red once Dragon again. Is back. A total elimination to Trent, which is that high-low move, which they like to... I like that. I would have liked them to hit... Because um, their Red Dragon move is Chasing the Dragon. Yes, which is awesome. Yeah. They have so many tandem moves that yeah, are cool. Yeah, they, 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 they're really nice, yeah. And the Bucks come back in the ring and then kind of stare with Cole, which, oddly enough, Fish and O'Reilly are just standing there with their backs turned, which led me to I almost think Cole was going to turn on them. But then Cole actually leaves with Fish and O'Reilly. Right. Which I thought was very interesting. And Fish and O'Reilly, like, didn't even acknowledge the Bucks, basically, right? So there's mm-hmm. already, like, building this anticipation of where is this going, right? A little bit of intrigue. I, I really like that part. It's going to be Bucks, Red Dragon either way, which is Amazing. just the Oh, my God. Best. Take that my money. That would be the best. Absolutely. Even if it's um, for free, I will still pay them. So this match, like you were saying, surprisingly ordinary is what I had for the first several minutes. And I feel like it's too much holding counters considering one of the participants here is Orange Cassidy. Like right. if it's Cole versus someone else, then sure. But it's Orange Cassidy. And again, I was getting annoyed because the commentary were doing what they always do, which is Orange Cassidy doesn't get enough credit for his in-ring. But yes, because... When we've been going on like... I would say over a year and of him actually wrestling now. Sorry, what? Right. Remember his first match? I think it was Revolution 2020. Remember against yes. Pack, and then like since then, but that was February of last year. So it's been like well over a year of him like he's been wrestling. And they always tell us he's. They say that same thing pretty much. So at some point, he's not like you guys talk about it enough. He's not underrated. But anyways, right. the crowd seemed to be trying to get into this. It wasn't really very engaging for a while. Then all of the people running down which I don't really love and don't think added anything, but... Except for Kyle O'Reilly. But when somebody, I don't know who it was, got run into the steps, I feel like then they went back in the ring and the action picked up significantly after that moment, right? So it actually ended up being a good match, which tells you that the second half was probably really, really good because I was pretty bored by the first half. Yeah, it, it definitely came to a good I match. I think so too. And it, we got a very believable near fall for Cole and Cassidy at one point near the end, right? Then a surprise appearance that earned Cole the win and from a guy that I was really looking forward to seeing so I'm very happy he actually came yeah bored by the first half really enjoyed the second half thought it was a good opener overall and Red Dragon back together is amazing opens up just so many matches you I would love to baby. see in a company that loves tag team wrestling you get oh one God, of the best right. tag teams right and so. I I still even liked on a speeder as tag team formations in NXT yep. but I think it's just going to take to another level and the cole already the sort of he's gonna have a tough decision to make at some point right and you're already seeing them start to give you little hints i about mean that. i so the way i see is i know he was with the bucks before that but for me that was also within bullet club which is like yes. this whole thing and on the speed air it was like it was just them right and also yep. roddy but like it was a small group compared to the bullet club and right? roddy so, was a late addition so you could argue right. this is the era right, right? And that, like, I don't think Roddy's necessary. Do I love Roddy? And do I would I like for he's him awesome, to be of here? Course, yes, but, but you don't does need he him. need to be? No. And you, and I mean, you. Can't, and now I like Fish much better too. You can't deny that Undisputed Era Elite is like a money money feud, right? Right. That you could have it, break it off into all Absolutely. kinds of combinations right. and stuff. So um, the exciting. La- yeah. So the latter half of the match was better and a few decent spots, but overall it was it was pretty good. I'm super happy they did bring in Kyle O'Reilly. It seems we we will be getting um. Undisputed Era in AEW, which I think would be cool. I liked how he kind of seemed to be leaving with Fish and Ryan. The Bucks were kind of left there. I could see Cole just conning Red Dragon, but I think that's a slight possibility. I would really like to see AEW's iteration of Undisputed Era. And I saw someone suggest Undisputed Elite, just to avoid trademark, yeah. um, whatever, which I would like, because that would allow the same abbreviation, same hand gesture. Or Undisputable Era. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That would be funny. 
Um, but um, so yeah, I thought it was a pretty good match. But I'm very happy they brought in Kyle Riley. Even if we just get Red Dragon, that's yep good enough. Congrats for me, to the good least. Canadian boy Kyle Riley. Oh uh, yes, a fellow Canadian that's boy. That's right. Getting in the. I'm big happy for him, honestly. Yep, yeah, good for him. It'll it should be great. And actually, I did see we're getting um. I think I'll talk about it later, but Undisputed Era versus Best Friends next week. So already getting the boys in action. Nice. I wonder what the I wonder if they could use the same logo as WWE. I wonder if they're allowed to do that. Uh, that'd be. Cool. I don't think so. It's their intellectual property, I imagine. Yeah. Um. So we get a recap of last week's opener. Basically, all it confirms we get we're gonna get Hangman versus Danielson two on January fifth, which is the first episode of Dynamite on TBS. Right. Um, and then we actually get Hangman Page coming down to the ring for a promo, or it's Tony Schiavone interesting, but it just, it always escalates in just a promo, it's not really an interview at this point. No, it pretty much, he, it, they're pretty much just taking over as soon as right. they start talking. Um, he just kind of introduces them, and then it's just off to Away the races. Away they go, yep. right. Um, Hangman says after 60 minutes, covered in sweat and blood, he was handed back the title, and he managed to walk up the ramp, and says last week he had never felt like less of a champion. He says the feeling from last week is disappointment, and then Brian... Dance interrupts and says, wait, like, a million times. Yes. He says, the entitled millennial cowboy still has the title, and he is disappointed. He mocks Hangman and says, poor cowboy. Yeah, um, he I says, love that. Like, yeah. you still have the belt, and you're out here moaning, right? right? Like He says, the fans should be disappointed because you kick Hangman's ass, and he should be the champion. He says, he isn't someone who will come out and cry about it, and on January 5th, <laughs> he'll kick Hangman's ass again. He says a hangman lasted an hour because Silver injured Brian's leg a little bit the week before. Right. He says he won't make the mistake again. He will not wrestle until their rematch. Um, he says hangman will stall so you can keep the title while the rifle champion stands uncrowned. He says he isn't a title and he isn't out here complaining, but proceeds to complain. Love that. And he has a solution. He proposes they have judges for the match, so if hangman stalls, they can choose the right champion. Hangman says Brian took him into deep water and took him under, but in the last few minutes he swam and almost drowned Brian, which I thought that was a pretty nice line. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, why don't they give the judges some paydays because they won't get it because he has given too much to get the to get the title to lose it because of some judges. He says they'll find out if you can beat Brian less than an hour in two weeks. The answer will be yes. I don't like the whole judges idea. I don't know why they would go down that route. In they case... have done that before. I know. I just I don't love it. And I don't think that brian danielson the character we've been presented with would want that either but anyways i thought this was a really strong back and forth segment which i like generally right so you've got your fighting babyface champion and just an amazing heel just an obnoxious subtle heel in brian danielson um and again him saying he's not going to complain while complaining the whole time i thought was great he makes some good heel points right from his point of view it was probably a bit longer than it needed to be. Um, Paige, I thought, got a little bit bogged down when he did start talking about the judges. I feel like he almost lost his train of thought and had to re- sort of rescue it. But I thought the segment was effective overall, and I'm definitely excited for a re- uh, rematch. And honestly, just anything Brian Danielson wants to do right now, I'm here for character-wise, in-ring-wise. I don't really care. He's awesome. Um, I thought it was a pretty good from uh, promo from Hangman, and I thought Brian was really great. Um, I like how he kept mentioning how he wasn't entitled and he's not complaining, even though almost all he did was complain. Yep, loved it. I kind of like the line about how Hangman is disappointed, but he got to keep the title, which wasn't necessarily a bad point. Right. Silver match injury excuse from Brian was also kind of funny, just nice bit of heel logic there. Well, I think it would have been better to do some match type, like that would be interesting. I don't necessarily mind AEW going the judges' route because I don't think they've done that since the first time they did it um, in full gear 2019, which is Cody Jericho, yeah. which um, is probably the reason why cody's won the tnt title three times 
because that was when he decided to make that stipulation for some reason. <laughs> right. Because he's an idiot. Um, even then, I can't remember if the judges were needed. I think they were, but I don't. I don't actually know. I can't like having judges. One of the last matches I would. I yeah, don't. it's not. It's far from the most interesting. It's not. It's no bull type. rope match. <laughs> <laughs> Strap match. Bull rope match. That's the first really. Yeah. Okay. I'm um, just trying to think of ones that I would like yeah. less than. That. Um, overall, uh, a good segment though. Wouldn't have mind it as the opener. Like just like I mean, I the match. I like the match good, there. Um, just because they've been doing the segments. They have been doing uh, the segments. A bit. Next, we get MJF in the pinnacle backstage. Um, MJF says Wardlow got the champagne too slow last week. He says pay, he pays Wardlow well to protect him. He says Punk drives everyone insane and says he and FTR family. He calls him MJFTR, which Love I it. thought was very nice. Yeah, me too. Um, he says Punk, Sting, and Darby can't coexist, and they definitely won't wear face paint tributing each other ever. That would be they ridiculous. Um, he says everything has to be about punk, and when it isn't, that is when the real punk comes out. Mm-hmm. He says the nice guy routine is wearing off faster than Sting's paint and CM Punk's paint tonight. Ooh, spoiler. Um, Dax says they had no problem with punk, but they did when punk disrespected his family. He says they are the best unit in this world, and when you're in the pinnacle, you're always on top, which I, I love that catchphrase. I think it's very nice. Yeah, I thought this was a good promo by both. It was just Dax and MJF that spoke here. And we got further teasing of Wardlow, right? Because he's sitting in the chair sort of making subtle faces, I guess. Like a little bit not fully on board with what MJF is saying. He just MJF looks kind of saying. disgruntled in general. Right. So he looked did a really good job. So it's similar to things MJF has already said about CM Punk. There wasn't anything super new here. But his performance is always really strong regardless. So I thought this was good. Yeah. I thought it was a customarily good promo from MJF. I thought Dax was a nice cherry on top, too. Um, and per usual, I thought MJF's not getting some nice burns. Of course, he always does. And I don't even think he's completely wrong about the stuff he says about Punk, either. Yeah, their face paint does wear off quick. It does. <laughs> I've always noticed that about Sting. Like, I remember when he was... Oh, his was always coming off. Yeah, always. Yeah. Or like War- I'm, Ultimate I'm... Warrior, too. Frequently oh, yep. peeling Ultimate off. Ultimate Warrior. And I, oh, and I was going to say, I think Darby. Darby is a frequent offender as well, mm-hmm. ironically. Um, next we we follow right up with Wardlow taking on Captain Sean Dean, who is a jobber, but he's actually he's a dark regular. Like I've heard his name before. I've heard the name. I don't um, think I've seen him. I think we may have seen him at least get squashed before, but I know just because be. since I follow them, I always see the dark cards. I know he's a dark regular right. at least. I never watch it, but I always see what the cards are. Um, if you want me to describe this match, um, squash. Actually, no. I will describe it as power bomb. Yeah, um, it was beyond a squash almost. Wardlow power bombs him. He power bombs him again. He power bombs him again, and finally he power bombs him for the win. And then chair, a chair attack by Spears afterwards. Of course. Um, I'm just gonna say I don't really get the point of this. It hardly even showcases Wardlow that much. Like that's, I'm tired of it. That's kind of the whole point of a squash match is to showcase the person who you want to make look good, right? In this case, Wardlow. Right. But I really I don't think it does much for him. Like I'm fine with him doing like the power bombs to weaken the guy, but like if this is all he's doing is just pinning him. Like it's really not showcasing much. And I then feel, I feel like it's to keep him on our radar because they're gonna move to him and mjf at some point right, so but it's this like to really keep him relevant want that right now like, no. I, if they're gonna build it, I, I would like them to at least do something to keep them on the radar quote unquote. yeah i'm kind of over these four power bomb squash wins and away we go so i'm not it's not at, adding at anything least at this do point. five like come on make it a better number, add one every match you know? until it's like up to 27 power bombs or something that'd be kind of funny actually <laughs> i okay if they were doing that i would be okay with it yes that'd be kind of funny um, next we get Cody Rhodes versus Sammy Guevara package. Ooh, Devin right. didn't talk about this. Didn't yet. spoil this one at all. No, nope, didn't spoil this. Who will um, win? I will try not to talk about spoilers here again. 
Um, commentary provides some talking heads per the usual. Guevara says when he and Cody last faced off on the first ever Dynamite, a nice piece of history because that is, in fact, true. Right. Um, back in the panda days, am I right? <laughs> um, oh, Co- I forgot about that <laughs> stupid hat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Cody was way up the ladder and Guevara was down. Now the tides have turned. I don't think they have actually, but um, that's for that's to wait and see, I guess. Um, Excalibur says a win over a former champion would really solidify Sammy's place. Yes, it would. Um, Sammy says all Cody will get on Christmas is an ass kicking. Ooh. That those are bold words. Them are fighting words. Yeah, I, th- I didn't have a lot. I thought it was a good enough back and forth package, right? Like I, I don't. Yep. Again, Sammy's character's been underwhelming. I thought he would be a much more over babyface than he is. He's kind of disappointed me so far. And Cody is Cody. Good talker. Yeah, I thought the one line Guevara had was pretty good. And the talking heads were nice as well. But this is very different now that I know what happens. And it just kind of <laughs> makes, you angry. makes me chuckle. And it does make me angry, in it fact. Does. But it also makes me chuckle at the same time. The next segment makes me angry. Oh, yes. The next segment does make me angry. I agree. Because guess who's back? Back again. Dan Lambert's back. At Tell least, a friend. At least alone. That's something. It's not yeah, nothing. that's something. I mean, I could say, I could jinx it and say for the time being. Oh, there I go. You did jinx it now. Um, He insults the fans with some choices roast i didn't pick up on it because i don't care yeah that's fair. um he brags about running american top team still do not care he's he says he makes sure the most successful are the most deserving and tony khan does the opposite and uses the buddy system which i i, I, I don't think so maybe a little <laughs> but dan lambert's dumb um lists off he lists off like accolades or like i don't know he's left in he was kind of like he lists off like kind of accolades for man of the year right but like, it was also like something like that's not really an accolade but i guess like an attribute i so, honestly have trouble i start tuning him out because like 10 percent of what he says is stupid and he's not bad at delivering and i've seen him do good work before but i'm just not interested in anything he has to say so i catch myself because i'm not the one in charge of dynamite taking detailed notes that i kind of tune him out because i just it's not interesting yeah. to me at all that's that's fair yeah um and then he complains about coding another shot tile shot and on christmas day brother join the club um he says uh he was supposed to get cody cheered or something like that he, yeah he, he took some shots at cody he exposes the business too much man that's another great yes. fight that we have with these um but cody is bigger turd than he is um, he says he doesn't care who stands tall to match. He just wants one of many in the year to get the next shot. I don't think you're gonna want that, cause I mean I don't think it'll go well. Um, what did you think of this it's great, just, great wrestling segment? He just talks so much, says so little. Um, and we say it every week: the men of the year don't need this guy to talk for them, right? Yes, that's that's like, one of my points. Is the last tag team that needs Scorpio like, Sky? I would say is an above average promo, and, and then Ethan Page is fantastic. Ethan Page is amazing. Um, yeah, I did appreciate a couple shots he took at Cody here, but as usual with this guy, Ethan it's just Page a, could do it better. It's just a miss for me. I don't know. I don't understand what AEW is getting out of this. Right, this guy shows up rips their promotion their profession he exposes the business too much and like i don't mind some like kind of like nods to that or whatever but like this just feels annoying if there's a payoff like i don't see where the payoff is here right exactly so that's a part of it for he me. comes in rips aew puts over his own promotion and i don't i see what he's getting out of it because he's getting exposure on national tv and getting to but i don't get what tony khan's getting out of this right so i mean 
I'd like to give them the benefit of the doubt because they don't make too many wrong steps, but I don't get this at all. I'm confused by it. I don't want it on my TV. I just want him gone. This is probably the biggest miss for me since bringing in Sting. Hey, right. I'm roasted. And I'm glad the, the MMA people aren't back to wrestle again because nobody needs to see that, but I don't need this guy's involvement at all. I don't need any of them. Uh, I, though I really like Men in the Year, so I still think they're They great. are cool. Yep. Um, The promo was fine, but Lambert's just, nah. And he just really has no purpose here. Like like you said, there's no payoff. And I just, he exposes the business too much. It's just kind of annoying. It just takes up TV time. And Men in the Year are both, like, I prefer both of them on the mic. I mean, Sky is not as good as Paige. But I would rather hear either them speak than Lambert, honestly. Yep. Of all the teams that need a mouthpiece, it is certainly not Men in the Year. They're, like, the opposite. Like, they do not need right. any managers or like mouthpiece whatsoever and they were just at go away heat for me like i just don't want him here same he doesn't serve a purpose for me um and i don't know just it's not like thankfully it's not super long but it's still just taking up time for me yes it's just kind of like no it's just like no thanks but at least followed up by something much more interesting as far as i'm concerned this week at least um because next we get to brick baker's christmas party thing is this what you're referring to yeah so I don't get the whole Christmas party thing because we never really see a party, right? It's just her, yeah, like getting ready. Or, I don't know what this. I'll, was even, I'll but, talk about that. Yeah. Um, Tony asked about her match with Riho, which is going to be at Battle for the Belts, which is some point in January. <laughs> I, I think. Yeah, I think it's like a one hour or something. Yeah, or it's like um. Which I'm not sure how many battles for the belts you can fit in in an hour, but. I think it's supposed to be like it's like a TV special Saturday. I think it's like. I think it's supposed to be like um you remember Saturday night's main event? Yes. Or I I think it's supposed to represent that or like Clash of the Champions. I think oh. it's supposed to be okay. I I'm not sure. It's supposed to be something along those lines. I it's not a pay per view because I remember this hits on TV. No, it's not. Yes. Um she said she is bigger, stronger, and better than Riho. You kinda have to be bigger than Riho. Otherwise yes. I think you have some issues. Um and she has Jamie Hayter. Tony says Hayter lost also lost Rio too. And she says, Well, Tony wants to dig up the past. She talks about twenty twenty one being her year and her era wasn't given to her. She says twenty twenty two won't start with Riho, it it will continue with DMD. And I don't know, I thought it was a solid promo, but these things like this and the Thanksgiving and stuff, it's just glorified interview segments. Yeah, it's it didn't seem like a party. I still really liked it because I, I even like the visual of she's sitting in this big comfortable chair while everybody else is just standing around her and she's like drinking casually drinking a glass of wine right so um she seemed more fired up this week right she got a little bit more intense which i much prefer with brit so just the more attitude the better and i thought she brought it here so i kind of like this she the last couple promos she's had i thought were a little less inspired than usual but i thought her energy was good here i liked it Mm -hmm. but yes a christmas party is a strong statement for this yeah these things it's just like i feel like a different way to get her on the show where yes. they could just do an interview and it'd be all the same yes next we get a package for the owen hart foundation just kind of hyping the tournament and whatnot yeah just kind of like a tribute a tribute people. to him and hyping the tournament all yeah. at the same time um mark honey talks about how owen helped him when getting into wrestling um adam cole which i kind of thought he would be in this just i figured yes um says hart introduced him to the technical side of wrestling kind of got him into those kinds of people which i would say cole's good at that Yep. Um, Harding two point also say things that I didn't catch. <laughs> um, Kingston says a real man takes care of his family, and no one took care of him in the ring and took care of his family. Dustin Rhodes says he'll go down as one of the all time greats, and Cole says the reason his legacy will live on forever is because of who he was um, and how people talk about him. Um, I thought it was an excellent package, right? Celebrating Owen the wrestler and the man, because that's one of the big things about him is just what an awesome person he was. Like Brody Lee. 
So I thought it was a great video tribute ahead of the tournament, right? Just to sort of refresh everybody on Owen Hart and make that yeah. connection that, yes, he's a WWE guy, but we are we have access to his stuff here. So I thought it was really good. I think it was tricky because they don't have access to WWE Right, WWE's so there's no, not a lot of highlights they could show. Right, which I if they did have access to that, man, what a, what a package it would have been, yes. honestly. But I think they still did a really cool thing here. I thought it was a really nice little segment. I'm excited to see what these tournaments will entail. Um, it says a lot about what kind of company they are to say like that they were able to do this and are doing and considering Martha Hart wanted nothing to do with wrestling for like a long well, time. Well, she wanted nothing to do with WWE. WWE. Well, just like it seemed you like can't in blame general, her. right? Yes. And like kind of like CM Punk. Like I think it says a lot like that they're yep. able to bring in like people like CM Punk and make the deal with the Owen Hart Foundation. Like I think Owen Hart will probably get the similar treatment to like what they've been doing for Brody Lee, right? Like Brody yes. Lee's not forgotten. So I think um this is a really cool segment they are the wrestling company with a heart it feels like which is nice it feels okay to support this company where i feel bad and shameful and guilty about supporting wwe (laughs) sometimes right just yeah so it's nice to have an option where you don't feel bad about supporting. not only are they entertaining honestly but it's just like seem to be like to good at heart too yep um, next, we move on to a uh, semifinals match in the world's longest tournament involving not that many Honestly, people. Honestly, we were talking about <laughs> that. Rose versus Ruby Soho. Because technically speaking, what, there's 12 people because uh, four people got buys, correct? Yes. So, yeah. It's, it's been going like, on forever. It feels like a 32-person tournament. And this one was a surprise triple threat, right? Because it was Nyla versus Ruby Soho versus her jacket. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Right? It feels like... it's like That's, cause... that's my first note. Ru- Ruby versus jacket <laughs> early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's because I feel like there's been weeks where there's no matches and then weeks where there's only one match. Like, they've been really taking their sweet-ass really time with this. Which... At first, I didn't notice, and now I'm just like, get it over with. Honestly, I guess they're stretching it out to the first TBS Dynamite, but like, then start the tournament later. Right. (laughs) But it's almost like they don't want to put more than one women's match on Dynamite, so this is the pace it's got to go, I guess. Yeah, but I don't even think they've done it on a consistently weekly basis. No. No, because it feels like Bunny's involved in every match bunny and penelope and they can't be in the tournament for that long because they never win so <laughs> there must have been other matches along the way right on dynamite um so uh th- it, i thought it was a pretty good back and forth tv match and yes the first thing that happens is soho versus jacket assisted by nyla rose it they was had like, to work together to get this right, jacket it, off for one wrist like, it was amazing it's like um they're teaming up to take out the <laughs> big person in the match even though nyla rose is the big person they, they, but they um, had to work together to take out the jacket first. <laughs> right exactly it was pretty funny a brief alliance to defeat the jacket yes <laughs> um nyla rose blocks a back heel trip and hits an iranagi which i thought was a very stupid thing of soho to do is go for like a back heel trip on nyla rose right when soho's a pretty skinny woman and then nyla rose is nyla rose although nyla's looking a bit smaller we thought yeah too, right? but she's like I don't oh, know. she's just, still it just i was just like really yes. of all the things you're gonna go for on nyla rose you go for a back heel trip like, not effective at all it's not even like tripping her or something else she's literally just grabbing and trying to trip her with your force it right. just doesn't like i that just doesn't work the calculus doesn't work right <laughs> yes um a knee and an iffy looking super kick by soho don't think that they won't call it a thrust kick they will um <laughs> uh rose catches a monkey flip and then soho counters that in a turn ddt for two which was solid um rose grabs a chair but uh soho it's a running drop from the apron which sends the chair into rose's head rose hits that draping diving knee drop love it for two which i think is always very nice me too uh soho counters rose into a dragon sleeper but releases to take an interfering Vicky grill 
Rose capitalizes with the Beast Bomb for a, for a solid near fall. And then the finish comes where, so Nyla's like seating, sitting up on the top turnbuckle. Like she, she grabs Soho by the arm and then is climbing up the turnbuckles for whatever reason. Right. And then Soho, for some reason, does like a twisty thing to like do a wrist lock on her hand, even though she's already like, I don't think she needed to hold or twist around her hand, but I guess that's the setup because that's what she would normally do for a finisher. Right. She kind of pulls Nyla off the turnbuckles into the riot kick, which I forgot what they call it. But I still call it the riot. Yeah, kick I don't know what WWE. they call it either. I forget. Me too. They, I, I remember they said they said something for it, but um, and that gets Ruby Soho the win. And I think that's funny that it was called the riot kick because her name was Ruby Riot and it was the Riot Squad. They it's are called very the riot kick. So very that's just WWE's creative team doing yep. what they do. Yep. And Riot throwing an extra T and then right. you can trademark yep. all Braun of it. Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this ended up being a good match. I thought it. Just the right amount of involvement from Vicky Guerrero at ringside, including creating one believable near fall at one point. Soho did a good job of selling her shoulder near the end of this. I thought both of these women looked pretty good. Nyla has become, for me, like a very consistent performer in the women's division. I've seemed to have enjoyed all of her matches lately, even if she's not winning them. She's just seems to be putting in solid performances every time yeah, she's in the ring. Yeah, I agree. So it kind of makes with this win, right? Feels like the other side of the bracket, you've got to have Cargill somehow beat Thunder Rosa to have a heel face dynamic in the final. I guess so. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess think, so. I think Thunder Rosa is too big for this title. I think it's basically made for she's there that yet. next tier of people like Cargill or Craigill in my notes, as it says. Craigill, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, so Craigle. I don't know. It feels like that's where it's going, right? Because I don't know. Thunder Rosa, Ruby Soho isn't. I don't know. I guess they could do that because it is a tournament, but I feel like they probably want to go with the heel face final, but we'll see, I guess. But I, I thought this was you a pretty solid... You would think they would want to do that. I thought this was a solid match. What about you? Plus, if Cargill is going to lose the tourney, I feel like she would lose in the finals. At yeah, because she's still undefeated, I think, too, right? Right, so if if, if she's going to lose, I think... I honestly think Soho's not a, actually a terrible choice for the championship, too, because I... She is I, at that level I'm as well. I'm not sure if I see her as a main champion. I agree. Like, she's always decent, but I don't think WWE necessarily made a bad call never giving her a title. I mean, only from the standpoint that they basically give every woman the title at some point. They could have given it to her, but <laughs> strictly true. on merit, maybe not. That's yeah. true. They do. do. Although, with Charlotte around, they can just give keep it to it, her giving it to times. her. Yep. And, but they could give it to her for a day, and then <laughs> give it to her for a year, and then give it to her for, like, a month. I don't make the rules, but they... That seems to be what they do. Like they do. She wanted at, what money in the bank. When in doubt, just put it on her. When in doubt, yes, put it on Charlotte, and however long they want to put it on her, then do that. That's right. Um, I thought it was a solid TV match. Soho struggling with her jacket was very amusing, and there were some cool moves though. I always like to see that uh, knee drop from Rose. It's always a cool Me too. move. Uh, the finish is all right. A predictable outcome, but that's not necessarily bad. Uh, next week's match is definitely more up in the air in terms of result for me. Like, I feel like this one was more linear in terms of who's winning. Yeah, I think so, like so the too. Next week, will it, which is Rosa Cargill, that one's a little more like I could see that kind of going either way. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought this was all right. Um, and then we come to a Serena Deeb promo. Yeah, quick little promo here. Mm-hmm. She yeah. mad. Yep, big mad. Big mad. Um, Shout out to B Fab, yeah, right? The my favorite wrestler. <laughs> You know what's funny is so she and Lash Legend could have had a five star. Oh, what epic, could have been? Right. You know what really confused me at first, right? Is so I remember following her a little while ago. I think it was 
Brianna Brandy, because I remember that was her name before she was BFAB. BFAB, yeah. And then there was another one that was BFAB WWE, and I was like, what? She has separate accounts for like her and then... Her character? Her character, and then so she's changed the, the, the BFAB one, so I think it's the Vibe Brie or something. Oh, nice. Right? And so it's just funny, because like, she has two different accounts. It's just like... I, I was just like, okay. <laughs> and... Also, while I'm on that, just quick, I noticed that the WWE, I don't know if WWE did it, I assume they did, because why wouldn't they, or if the wrestlers did, but, like, there's faction accounts now, like, there's one for oh, Diamond Mine, yeah. Hit Row used to have one. I'm sure um, that's they're, that's scripted and they're told to do it. I just think that's really weird. Yeah. I mean, I see, I feel like it, I feel like it makes a little more sense for, um, Diamond Mine, because I feel like that you could post training vignettes or whatever, but... Yeah. Still, I don't know. It's weird. Anyways, getting distracted. Uh, Deeb asked how she can call herself a winner after what she did last week, referring to the exposed, not exposed turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has never decisively beaten her, which um, you'd have to fight, fact check that. But um, That's a heel logic. Decisively beaten her. It's like a weasel word. You've beaten me, but... I mean, Deeb won the first time, so honestly, the only one you'd have to check is the tournament match, mm-hmm. which I don't remember the exact finish, so I can't. I can't, I can't fact check this. Um, she says this is not over and it will go on until her work is done. And by the end, she will be begging Tony Khan, TK, to keep Deeb away from her. Yeah, I thought this was good. Nice intensity from Serena Deeb. She comes across as obsessed with Sheeta, right? For whatever the reason is. I don't know if we've been properly given a reason. I don't really care. I thought this was really good. And I think it just stems from the... She wanted to keep her from 50 wins and that's right. just kind of... This, the obsession just... She- continues St- continues so yeah. i was disappointed a little bit by their last match not that it wasn't good i was just expecting like really really good so i would still watch another one i would like it if they could put some sort of stakes attached to it would be even better so i guess we'll see but i thought deeb was good or here. i would on- honestly appreciate a stipulation now that we have the title i would love deeb as a tbs champion honestly i think that'd be great she's awesome i think she's definitely proven herself to be capable of like I don't know. I could maybe see her as a, the main women's champion, but I don't I could. think it's necessarily likely. So I think she'd be a perfect TBS champion, yep. honestly. She could do like Brian and just beat people a different way every week for months and months. Women of a thousand holds. Mm-hmm. Or woman of a thousand holds. She's awesome. And next, we get the Iron Man match of the century, rivaling Hangman versus Danielson, dare I say. Easily. Um, Malachi Black versus Griff Garrison. And always love to see Malachi Black's entrance. I love it very much. I think his theme is very nice. I think the it's... whole aesthetic works. Yes, for sure. I think the theme. I, I the real song is ten minutes on iTunes. Uh, by the way, um, but I, I think it works. On, and I love. I don't. I can't remember if they still do that like this week or whatever. But, um, where like he's like the lights are on and he's like he's sitting on the stage and he walks a bit, but then the lights go out and then he's like on the top turnbuckle. And let's go sing in the ring. I really like that. Like where like you only see him for fragments of the entrance. I thought I think that's a really cool concept. And honestly, I even remember thinking his WWE entrance was cool. It right? was With cool. The in NXT, thing. it was awesome. Yeah, but honestly, I think this one's cooler. Yeah, like, he's if I'm cool. Being honest. Um, and this was basically just an enhancement match dominated by Mr. Black. Um, Garrison gets clocked right away with a pretty nice roundhouse because he kind of charges after Black, which I thought that was kind of an inter- interesting start to the match. Um. Black later rolls out stairs down Pillman until Garrison nails a suicide dive, he, it, uh, which it looked kind of weird because, like, he landed, he hit, but then he kind of, like, he was kind of carried on Black for a second. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it looked a little... Like, surfed um, on him almost yeah, a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, something like that. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, corner kicks to the leg by Black. That's kind of his target um, throughout the match. A big rolling elbow for two by Garrison, clutching the leg still while pinning Black. 
A really nice jumping knee strike by Black. Um, Black was scarce enough, and it looks to me like he's going for Black Mass, which he did tease it, per I think. the usual, but instead goes for a really fast ankle pick and a really deep half crab for the win, yes. which makes sense because of leg targeting, and after he just kills Brian Pillman. Just as we were disappointed we didn't get to see Bla- Black Mass, good old Brian, Brian Pillman Pillman's comes in and yeah, gets his face Black kicked off. because he Black was relentless and then just gets his chin kicked off. Yeah, I thought for a short match like this was three or four minutes probably. I thought it was really like, fun actually. This would be actually. like a similar thing you do for Warlow, just more dominant. Like a fun, really quick match where you know who's going to win decisively, right? Black's kicks looked really good. I thought Garrison's forearms or elbow strikes, whatever you want to call them, looked really good as well. The kick to Pillman looked awesome. I thought it was just a fun, crisp little match in the middle of a show, right? Uh, Black looked really good, and Garrison's not hurt by taking a loss here, and he got a little bit of time on offense. So I thought it was mm-hmm. fun for a like really short match. Mm-hmm. Um, it it wasn't much more than his match, but I thought they worked it really well. Garrison got in a bit of offense, which was good, and Black looked great in a dominant victory. I didn't mind the change in finish as he had been working the leg, and it was very deep half grab. It was. It looked good. And I think it was interesting for him to change that. We still got our black mass anyway, so I can't really complain. Right. Um, I guess I'll start complaining, but we get an HFO <laughs> promo because, and I feel I've been living happy without them. I, I honestly uh, forgot they existed. My note is these guys don't feel relevant anymore, and that was not a strong promo, anyways. I don't feel they've ever been very relevant. Those were my only thoughts on it. Um. <laughs> Matt Hardy says one adorable moment Jurassic Express had with Lucha Bros last week and they are number one contenders. He says Cassie will take out Jungle Boys so that Pirate Pirate will be number one contenders. Are they ranked number two? Um, like, I don't know. What, do you, you want to talk about I this? Think, I'm the, gonna check the rankings. The only thing for me is it feels like Private Party's been lapped by other young heel tag teams like Top Flight. They were... If they're back, or ta- young tag not, teams. Yeah, but they were really... I really liked them when they were babyface. And the Acclaimed are just a much more entertaining oh, the Acclaimed are version, awesome. right? Yeah. So I feel like their niche has sort of been invaded by people who are doing it better than they are kind of thing. And Matt Hardy pairing hasn't done anything for them. So okay. I, I had no interest in this, right. to be so honest. As of December 17th, which is as recent as we can get... Let's see the tag rankings. They're not even in the top five. Right. So if we're going by their logic and Jurassic Express do get taken out, you, funny enough, you know who would take their place just who? based on the rankings would be the acclaimed, actually. Nice. Which who is are nice. awesome. I really like them. Love Max Caster. He's just great. And Bones is honestly pretty good in the ring. He doesn't get enough credit, probably. Um, but I don't know. This is fine. It was like the promo was okay. I thought Private Party were just kind of weird. And then... Um, I don't know. I just don't really care because it's just Jungle Boy versus Cassie. I feel like the, a lot of the Rampage matches are filler. Like, yeah. I really can't delve into Rampage a lot just because it just doesn't feel worth my time. The time slot doesn't work great time for us. time slot doesn't work for me. Which honestly doesn't help because if the time slot was a little better, like if it was Thursday, let's just say it's the same times on Thursday. Sure, I'd yeah. watch that every week. But like, I'll couple that, the time slot, which just like, the matches like these, it just don't really feel like tuning in like every now and then you get like a pack andrade or a lucha bros ftr yep. that makes you want to tune in but then i think most of the time it's just these like like these matches where you're in kind of like that middle area between dark slash dark elevation yep, but we can't get dynamite. you on dynamite right yeah so it's kind of like that and i mean at least they're never pretending that like like they're not doing the WWE thing where like which one's the a show like obviously mm-hmm. rampage is a beta show yes but like I don't know. It's still, it feels almost like too much so. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, the time slots doesn't help. And it's funny because it still does beat um, NXT in the ratings some weeks, right? Even with that terrible time me. slot. 
Um, and it's only it's got half of the time too. Right. Um, we get a follow up promo from Jurassic Express. Jungle Boy says he won't be losing on Christmas Day. That is factual, and he will some because they said they'll beat Jungle Boy's ass, so he says they won't do that. Or Private Party said they'll beat or he'll beat Jungle Boy's ass, and he says he'll shove Cole up Cassie's ass, which that doesn't seem very a lot of ass talk. Pleasant. Yep, mm-hmm. and he'll be spitting out diamonds. <laughs> um, Christian Cage, who's still with them for some reason, just because everyone hasn't turned yet, but he will. Don't worry. I hope he will. Luchasaurus, it's coming. Impales him with his horns. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, wait, since there's all this ass talk, maybe impale him in the ass. Maybe that's what we're going to do. Maybe. Um, and he says that as long as, as long as Jurassic Express is around, it'll never be private party's time. So, I mean, I don't know how long dinosaurs live, but as long as Luchasaurus can keep finding Jurassic Express partners, then I guess it'll never be private party's time. You know? Never. Um, And then he promotes their Christmas shirt, which gives Yeah, me- he did. I thought this was better than the hardy private party thing just before it but it was hardy private party it was pretty generic still and i ended with them trying to sell merch which i find pretty annoying um especially because it's christian they can try and build this feud or build this as a feud as much as they want but it doesn't feel like anything other than a win for jurassic express in any sort of capacity right so it doesn't really interest me but i didn't think this was a terrible promo yeah, it was just fine. I just don't care. It's just one of those one-off rampage matches. Like they build, they do these segments to build it on dynamite, and then it's just like nothing. Right. And I, I also like. It feels funny to say I like Marco Stunt better than Christian. I'm missing. Just gonna say. He is missing. That's for sure. Yeah, I didn't think like uh, Marco's not much to look at. Not just because he's short. That's not a short joke. Um, but he's. I prefer him to Christian. Just, just doesn't make sense for me. Yeah, than, I, I keep waiting for Christian to turn up on the them. elite. But I keep waiting for Christian to retire. That's not happening. I know, which is probably why I'm still waiting. Um, and then <laughs> I, I kind of stopped. Re- <laughs> I, I, I usually, I used to recap the next week's matches, but I, I usually don't anymore. No, um, I but, like that you don't. Oh, well, then I'll start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> um, but I did know best friends was Unspeeder next week. And um hey dad you'd have to be a real dork not to be wearing their armband right now you are wearing <laughs> their armband right yeah because i have i totally forgot about so i was looking at my nightstand one day and i found it i was like oh yeah i have an armband right and because i remember when um we went to um when SummerSlam was in toronto it was the day before takeover mm-hmm. went to the pop-up superstore they had and remember that the armband so i remember right. i got this i got a couple figures i remember i got that ringside exclusive uh king of the ring bret hart and then i remember i got um ultimate edition uh Shinsuke. Shinsuke. yep yeah and then I think I got something else, maybe, but I don't remember. Anyways, and then, so I found this. I was like, that'd be a cool thing to put on the shelf. So it was on the shelf, and then I just decided to put it on right now. And then I'm going to hold it. (laughs) (laughs) True story. All of these things are true. Um, There's also other stuff, advertising KR and something else. I remembered at the time, but now I don't. Doesn't matter. Keep going. (laughs) That's fair. And the main event, which is the Pinnacles, MJFTR. Yes, say it like that. Uh, versus CM Punk or Surfer Punk, SF Punks. S- he, he does not look good Surfer in face paint. Punk. He looked kind of weird. It was it was at part of me is like oh yeah looked, cool face paint. He looked but then silly. The other part of me is like what are you doing, yeah. Philip? You know, uh, Darby Allen and Sting. Uh, Sting has CM Punk inspired face paint. It's got like the these red like molds, and on the on the top it's like got the fist, the cross fist. Yes, with took the me a moment to notice it. that. Yeah. Um, and then Darby Allen's got like a spink. 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 Pink scorpions. <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to Spink. Best. 
Um, I think it's like so. It looks like a scorpion sting look. Obviously, half pink because it's Darby Allen, but then it's pink and his hair is pink, which I don't know what attire that's necessarily attributing, but whatever. And Punk's got surfer sting style paint in his colors, and then also his tights. I noticed have like the scorpion on only one side, which is reminiscent of surfer sting as well. And this was a solid trios tag. This is our main event, by the way, uh, centered around an individual feud. But with someone who's wearing face paint and someone who likes to wear scarves. Right. Um, MJF acts like he's about to lock up with Punk as he and Punk are starting the match. And he takes that to Dax because he's MJF and he runs away from people. And that's one of the underlying stories here, right? Is keeping MJF and Punk away from each other during this match. Correct. Was part of it. Um, drops up and then a drop kick by, to Cash by Darby Allen, which I actually... Of the three paints, like, I think Sting's looks fine in yeah, Talk to a Punk's. I think, I really like Darby's. Like, I think it's an interesting look for him. I like that better than when they did, like, the half Darby, half Sting paint. Yes. Because I really, I'm just so used to him with half paint. Whenever he does full face paint, it's just unnerving. Like, it's, like, it's never bad. Because I think his face paint is gen- generally really nice. But whenever he does full face paint, I just feel weird. Because it's just... You really yeah. like to think about face paint. You're well, very much into face paint. Face I'm just like, the okay, best. sure. Darby they had Allen, paint on their face. That's great. I could. I would like Darby Allen with 10 different heads, and each one of them has a different face yes, paint. I care not so much about face paint. But well, you should. That's okay. Especially no Jeff, judgment. Jeff you Hardy's. You like what you like. Because Je- sometimes Jeff Hardy's is really good. I mean, lately I don't care as much about him, but... Sometimes his face paint's really good, too. Sure. Um, MJF tags in against uh, Darby, but then Darby decides to tag in Punk, which I thought was kind of interesting, instead of, like, I mean, I I thought it was kind of interesting, because, like, right, they just had that, they had, it's not too long ago, um, that match at Full yeah. Gear. Right. But, and d- even though Darby, like, you would think he would want his hands on MJF, but, like, knowing Punk would just be his ass more right tags and punk which i thought was funny and mjf hightails it really quick out of the runs. runs around and then tags in <laughs> dax Roach. to his credit mjf's a good runner well I they ran is that when they ran through the crowd no that is later? after Sorry. actually sting takes a shot to mjf later on and tags in punk but mjf hightails it through the crowd they right. run around through the crowd which was a waste of time um mjf tags out and hides behind ftr until darby takes them all with a really fast like the suicide dive thing really that cool. he just likes to do yep um uh the pinnacle i think was this where he, it looked weird i can't remember if it was this or something else i don't, I don't know what you're talking about there's so. like a dive where like they looked like someone landed weird oh yeah that was mjf wasn't it he almost landed on his head i think uh maybe i'm pretty sure i don't know i'm i'm sure because i remember i was like oh i but I'm, i can't remember what i can't remember why anymore. i thought it was mjf diving onto them and he ended up landing on his head almost oh yes yes that's what it was um because sting threw mjf onto ftr that's what it was yes that's later on i'm okay that's what it was though yes uh pinnacle are in control sorry mjf tr uh they are control over darby for a decent stretch quite a few body slams in there because a cm punk match is not in not complete without some body slams that's right whether they are hit by cm that wwe training work safe brother yep work safe and body slam is the most interesting move for sure in the history of anything um sting gets a hot tag of all people because as we know the best hot tag is by a 60 year old person he did a good job man you're gonna he's okay run him down but he was totally uh, fine and he here. clears house he's totally fine for a 60 year old <laughs> um hot tag flurry from punk later on after sting was being worked over for a bit 
Um, Powerplex by FTR for two. Love that. It is literally just a superplex followed by a splash, but it is fantastic. It is cool. Um, a GTS countered into a smash contraption, which I thought was pretty nice, too. Um, and Sting breaks the pin, which I thought looked really dumb. He just kind of walked over and just kind of, like, kicked him or whatever. Like, that was just, like... And you could sort of see him waiting in a corner for it to happen, too. Right. It was just kind of, like, you suck, Sting. Um, Sting throws F- MJF on FTR, which is what we were talking about. And then he dives on them from the top turnbuckle, which I would say is cool. Struggled to get up there care. for a second, yeah. too. Remember he did that to Seth Rollins in his last match in, before AEW, before he decided to come here for some reason. Um, and then Dax saves MJF. He kind of shoves MJF out of the ring, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, before taking a GTS, a Scorpion Death Drop, and finally a Coffin Drop, and the Babyface team scores the win. They did. Um, I really like MJF and FTR together. I think they seem to fit perfectly. They would make, since we always talk about wanting it, great heel trios champions until they're oh, ready to like... Yeah, they would be a fantastic trios champion. Until they're ready to pull the trigger on MJF as AEW champion. Oh, you can sort of put them there. Now that like the possible trios champ- the trios championships are possible, now I would want Undisputed Era back together more than ever. Because like, I mean, I love them with all the gold in NXT, but like just trios championships, I feel like that would just be so cool because then you can have them in every match. Like This company needs them. I don't know what they're waiting for. I know, for. with... I mean, maybe they'll wait for next year, perhaps, maybe. or something. Like, But with now Undisputed Era here, like, there's so many possibilities. I I agree, MJF Terra would be a... Like, say, let's say this pinnacle splits, although I don't see that really happening, because it's Felix Spears and out. Like, MJF TR is a great team. Like, it is. Death Triangle still around. Um, Super Quick or Undisputed Era. Jurassic Express, I guess, with Christian Cage, although I'd, I'd still rather Marco Stunt as a trio's champion, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Or, like, and you can even have, like, a scrub challengers, like, at HFO or something. Like, there's a lot of possibilities for that division. Tons. Uh, a lot of this was about MJF avoiding CM Punk. Yes, a lot of it. Almost a little much for my life. I, I didn't mind it. And then also a lot of the heels isolating Darby Allen, which makes sense because he's amazing at selling and he looks really good taking a beating. So that I had no problem with. He does have an act for that. Sting got a decent hot tag that the crowd really wanted and ate that up. Punk got one a little bit later. Um, and everybody on Punk's team got to hit their finisher to win the match. So I thought this was just a really smart, like, well-executed Trios main event that got a ton of time. Like, it was over 20 minutes, I think. Uh, I quite enjoyed it by the end, actually. I think FTR are just amazing, and somehow it really doesn't matter how much they lose, right? Like, for me, it, it just doesn't change anything, so... I thought this was a really good main event. I enjoyed it, I think, probably more than I thought I would. Although, I it was we good. talk about Darby being great at selling. I really can't handle the Sting no-selling. Like, it just... Yes. It, like, I can crap on Sting all I want, but, like, you, that's you do. really where... Yes, <laughs> I do. But that's kind of where I draw the line. Like, that's just, like, that just doesn't make sense. The last person... It's been part of be his in, thing, though. Like, it just doesn't make sense, though. Like, the it's last... It's always been his thing. It's like Undertaker the, sitting up. Or, the last person person who should be no selling is a feeble old man who shouldn't be here in the first place i guess but doesn't really bother me it's just his character they're not gonna switch it up now right i thought they should i thought it was a solid match but i don't know at some at some points i feel like it wasn't like the best in ring i think because things very limited so the parts where he was in wasn't the best um but i um while i get what they were trying to do the mjf running away in the crowd was a little much for me like i like the other stuff, whatever, but like, I feel like that just took away a, yeah. a bit much for me. But I thought FTR and MJF were a really solid team. Honestly, I, I really like their stuff. Like, that counter in the smash contraption was nice, as well as a really nice power flex. Yep. I just, I, I really like that move. They work well together. Um, the finish was solid, too, but overall, a fine main event. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think overall? 
Uh, I thought this was another really strong episode of Dynamite. First few underwhelming minutes, I really did enjoy the opener uh, after that, and the main event I thought was really strong. In between, we got another Wardlow squash, uh, what I thought was a good Nyla Rose-Ruby Soho match, and a really short, but I actually quite enjoyed the Malachi Black-Griff Garrison match too. Britt's promo was awesome, Deeb's was really good, the Owen Hart tribute was excellent. The only things I didn't really like, the Hardy private party stuff and Lambert, but Overall, I enjoyed the show, so I gave it another A- this week. So pretty much I would say like what the average is, which is a high mark for this show, but I quite enjoyed it. thought yeah, it was good. we're going to be sounding really similar because I, I like the opener too. It did start off slow, but it got there and provided me with a very pleasing debut. Um, I'm, right. I'm just I'm really too. excited for the possibilities of that. Um, I, it's, it's really nice. Um, the, the main event also, like I feel like there were points where I wasn't super into it, but definitely it was good overall as well. Um, I did kind of... I did quite enjoy the uh, Malachi Black Griff Garrison match as well, and the TBS t- t- tournament match was uh, pretty good as well. I I like that one. And then the only match that was not great was the only other match, which was that squash match, which was to be fair like super short, but yeah. just it didn't really need to be here if I'm being honest. Um, good segments. I would also say like that um, Hangman Brian segment. I really like the D promo was short but sweet. And um, the Owen Hart package was nice as well, as well as Britt Baker's short little thing. And then I also don't really care for HFO or Dan Lambert. And then the Jurassic Express promo kind of goes with the HFO thing, so didn't love that yeah, either. Yeah, it was better, but it wasn't great. Right. Um, and so overall, I think it was a really good show as well, and I will have to agree with that letter grade of an A-. Nice. We're in sync this week. Well, that's going to be the only in-depth review we go over this week, because NXT UK, as we mentioned, was just a best-of show. But next, we're going to get into trivia like we always do in a segment we like to call Off the Top of His Head. So this week, I have 20 questions, I think. They are general WWE, WWF trivia. Borrowed borrowed from Trivia Champ. So we'll see how these go. I have options if you would like them. Okay, so I'll give you that choice. So... Who broke the perfect record of Mr. Perfect Kurt Hennig? Uh, Ooh. I don't know. Do you want options? Yes. Greg the Hammer Valentine, Hulk Hogan, Brutus the Barber, Beefcake, Jake the Snake Roberts. Bruce Beefcake. Correct. Very yeah. good. <clears throat> um, and after, although it was his mm. first loss on TV, Perfect was pinned by the Ultimate Warrior a week earlier in a show televised after the match so he technically was pinned before it but it didn't air until after it. so it doesn't like in the record books in, i guess so. yeah interesting little nugget who became the first person to win the wwf slash wwe title 10 times options or no it's gonna be obviously a big name 10 times first person 10 times 10 time 10 time cena correct yeah it was either him or triple h he wasn't even one of my options for you. Triple H? Yeah. Really? Who was screwed in the Montreal screw job? Uh, Brett. And he screwed himself, too. That's right. <laughs> Brett screwed Brett. Yep. In real life, Natalia married which superstar in 2013? Guy with the best hair ever, Tyson Kidd. That is correct. David Otunga got engaged to which Academy Award winning actress in 2008? I knew this one. <laughs> I do not. Options, Charlize Theron, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Hudson, Halle Berry. The first one. No, it was Jennifer Hudson. 
Oh, my I don't even think you know who that is. First is going to be Jessica Chastain. Who, as Donald Trump's representative, won the Battle of the Billionaires at WrestleMania 23. Nah, Bobby Lashley. Correct. I knew that one, too. This one's really hard. A Are you B. ready? He beat you manga. Philip Brooks is better known by which name in WWE? Tim Pong. Correct. Which wow. wrestler was known as the Glamazon? Oh, mm. oh, right. My favorite commentator ever. Yes. Beth Phoenix. Good. Who did the Shield defeat to win their first WWE Tag Team Championship? Team Hell No. Right. And Extreme they, Rules 2013. Team Hell No had held the belt for 245 days. Who Good won? Number. Who won season one of NXT? Wade Barrett. That is correct. I didn't know you'd know that right off the top of your head. Yeah, Nexus. True. Um, which wrestler had regularly faced crowd chants of Goldberg during his matches due to perceived similarity between him and Bill Goldberg? Ryback. Correct. I was going to say Gilbert. <laughs> Who holds the record for the longest WWE championship reign? Like the world title or titles period uh the longest wwe championship reign so in one yes do you know how long it was seven years or something seven years eight months and yeah. one day that's crazy imagine and then fabulous moolah i think it was carried from the nwa title she was but 20 it was like or 28 years yeah that's nuts too to whom did the honky tonk man lose his intercontinental championship at SummerSlam 1988 in only 31 seconds Ultimate warrior correct i remember this i don't even think he took off his jumpsuit uh, warrior. Or, I think I you're mean, right. Sorry, His um, coat. Honky tonk. Yeah, like the, the weird suit thingy. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um. What does it say here? The ultimate warrior would be the honky tonk man's opponent was not announced in advance either. It right. Was a surprise. Yeah, because he didn't care. Making his debut in 1987, by what name was the bodyguard of the Million Dollar Man T Ted DiBiase known? Ooh, that's a tough one. Virgil. Yeah, that's lame. Um, and apparently Vincent? the name Virgil was meant as a shot at then WCW wrestler Virgil Runnels, better known as Dusty Rhodes. Dusty Rhodes. Um, Runnels, right? The Runnels um, is the Dusty Rhodes, is the Rhodes name. Right. Which, which wrestler of the 80s and 90s had a finishing move known as the Ghetto Blaster? I knew oh, this one. Wait. I have options, but you can try and think for a second if you need it. Was it? Junkyard? No. No, he's one of the options, but it's not him. Uh, was it Two Gold Scorpio or Flash Funker? No. Nope. I'm thinking him for some reason. Options: One Man Gang, Coco. Akeem, Bad News Brown, Junkyard Dog. Bad News Brown. Correct. And I think it was uh Inseguri, if I'm not mistaken, is all it was. But back in the day, man, that was devastating. Who did Hulk Hogan win his only WWE Tag Team Championship with? Beefcake. Oh, we know Edge. Correct. Who did they defeat for the title? This is just a bonus. Do you remember? Oh, 2002. Was it Un-Americans? Or no, no. Wait, our Resistance? No. One of them's in AEW now, an uh, old man. Was it? And he was going to marry his tag team partner. Oh, it was Billy and Chuck. It was Billy and Chuck. Right, because so I almost thought um the Mega Maniacs him and... Yeah, I would have gone that. That would have been my guess. I, they I think they'd won it by counters, or there were some shenanigans at WrestleMania 9, right? Right. But then I remembered no, because there was a whole Edge won it with his hero I would hero not thing, have remembered And that, that was um, in Hulk Hogan's nostalgia run, as oh, they call it. great. In 2002. The only match The Undertaker has won via disqualification at WrestleMania was Giant against Gonzalez. which opponent? Jalen Gonzalez is correct. Mm -hmm. And why did... so? The DQ came after Gonzalez did what? This is just a bonus. I choked Taker with a chloroform-soaked rag. 
I'm going to have to say that's wrong because my notes here say choke the undertaker with the chloroform soaked cloth. I'm sorry. Hey, wow. Cloth oh, and rag, okay. very different. Okay. So you don't know anything about okay. anything. It's embarrassing. Okay. I don't know why we keep All doing right. this seg- segment. Uh, WrestleMania 1 was held at which venue? I have options if you'd like. Uh, but what is a quintessential WWE venue to the oh, point? Madison Square Garden. To, yes, to the point where no one else is allowed to work there. I don't think. Or no, no other companies. G One Supercard. Remember? Where it was the main event. Not it's not official, but what was the main event? This is just in the details. Uh, WrestleMania One. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't it was Hogan and Mr T versus uh Orndorff and Piper. That is correct. Yeah. With special guest referee. Muhammad Ali. Correct. Who was the first person to officially break the master lock of Chris Masters? Bobby Lashley. Oh, my God. I didn't think you'd know that. Yeah, and I think it's funny because that's essentially his finisher now, right? The hurt lock is still a full Nelson. And so it says here nobody had broken that lock in more than two years. That's pretty cool. Yeah, because I remember that was his thing. Like, the yes. money kept going or whatever, I think it was. Last one. Should be impossible, but it's not. Who did Hulk Hogan beat to capture his first WWF championship? Iron Sheik. Correct. Maybe. I ran number one. And then in the details, I'll ask you then, how many times has Hogan won the WWF WWE? Six. That is correct. Can you name all five opponents? Sorry, six opponents? I can't. Oh, So I don't know if you're right. All right. First one was Iron Sheik. Yeah. We just did that. Um, Second one was, I want to say it was Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I want to say it was um, Sergeant Slaughter. And then um, it was, and so then it was Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. Then it was uh, Yokozuna. Yeah. And then there was also, uh, I want to say it was Triple, no, it was Undertaker. I don't know. I'm missing one. How dare you? Uh, damn it. I was um, going to try and on. fact check you, hold but on. internet, not I'm fast. I'm missing one. Um, let me think. Hold on. Um, we lost one to Ultimate Warrior. Uh... And it yeah, doesn't I'm losing one. Anyways, you did very well on that trivia. You know things about things. <laughs> I do apparently. know things. So I guess that means we transition past NXT UK because it's nothing this week. And we move into... Also no impact. Right. So we move into what we call any other wrestling business. So I'm going to start off this segment talking about NXT 2.0. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. I still can't stop myself from watching it, but I definitely don't take notes while I'm watching very much. I take the odd one, but I usually just do it when I'm done. So it's an easier watch for me not having to... You some self-respect at some point. Yeah, at some point. Can't miss it, though. I've watched everyone. Anyway, so we start out with Tommaso Ciampa. He's already in the ring. His theme song is just sort of finishing up playing. He invites Braun Breaker to the ring because he wants to speak to him face-to-face. Braun Breaker? Breaker does make his way to the ring as commentary remind us that Breaker, in fact, pinned Champa at War Games, which I actually needed that reminder, believe it or not. Champa <laughs> then recaps the finish to War Games match, says that Breaker earned another shot at the title in two weeks at New Year's Evil. He says Braun has strength for days, but he's not ready to be champion in Champa's NXT. Champa then rhymes off former champions and thinks uh, the responsibility is too much for Braun at this point. Champa then gets fired up. Slaps. Did he mention Adam Cole? I can't remember. Damn. He might have. He slaps. Bra- probably not though, right? If he had just yeah, gone. but like he's Adam Cole, baby. He ends up slapping Braun, who then picks up Champa over his head like he's gonna hit his um, gorilla press power slam. But then he 
cooler heads prevail and he just sort of places champa back I think it's down more like a quote-unquote mind games yes braun picks up the title says that at new year's evil the shark is going to eat champa alive braun walks off kind of shoving the title back into champa's hands so i thought it was a decent segment at best champa did his part really well i guess but his role seems kind of inconsistent from week to re- week, right? He's kind of changing his stance, it seems like. So now he's back to being almost heelish here. And it seems like overall it was kind of generic, I guess. Nothing to get me more interested in this. He did a decent job of delivering what he was given to say, I guess. And the end of it, I thought, makes Champa kind of look weak because Braun just picks him up like a child, right? And then just, it's almost like he, it's almost it. like he puts him back down and like pats him on the head, right? Um and you're this dominant aggressive champion does absolutely nothing about it right so i don't know it, it felt a bit weird to me so they're determined to build Braun breaker regardless of who ends up looking foolish i think along the way and i don't think it's doing champa any favors at this point we then get an instagram video of grayson waller insulting aj styles which um, is kind of random right like yeah i, mean, I know he's it is random but, like, for just, sure it feels lazy it's kind of as the star who's been hanging around for too long in wrestling kind of thing makes fun of AJ's haircut um, and refers to himself as the phenomenal Grayson Waller. Um, and it's he says it's crazy that AJ and his mom have the same haircut. So I liked Waller last week a lot, right? I'm on the record saying I thought he was awesome, but this felt a little bit different. So now he's kind of doing the juvenile jokes at AJ Styles' expense for no apparent reason, right? I didn't find it super interesting. And I guess we've learned that AJ Styles will be on NXT to respond to this. And, like, why? Because Waller made fun of his hair. Like, this is all you have to do to get AJ Styles to come and interact with you, I guess. Right. And, like, it's not even like AJ Styles used to be on NXT because he he bypassed that whole charade. Random thing. Uh, So then we get Dakota Kai is attacking Raquel Gonzalez backstage as commentary tells us that their street fight does not have to start in the street. So they're sort of implying that the match is starting backstage as they're brawling. So Kai gets caught and swung into some scaffolding, which actually looked pretty cool. As Vic Joseph tells us, the match hasn't started yet. So it's kind of like, which is it, right? You kind of went out of your way to say it could start anywhere. And now you're like, oh no, but it hasn't started. Anyways, Gonzalez then runs like a lighting rig into Dakota Kai's midsection and Kai is trying to escape. We get a trash can attack to Gonzalez, but Gonzalez then runs Dakota Kai over sort of with a hand truck, puts her on the hand truck and runs her into the garage door as officials finally tell them they need to get this party to the ring. So we have a commercial break. The women are now in the ring and the match has officially started. Dakota Kai hits a double stomp from the apron onto Gonzalez in a trash can. Dakota Kai gets powerbombed on the ring steps. And then Gonzalez basically power bombs Gonzalez, or sorry, Kai onto a garbage can, and it's over in seven minutes of official ring time. So this was a really, I thought, basic standard street fight, um, which for the two people involved is kind of disappointing, right? I love Dakota Kai. I think Raquel is quite good as well. So I was hoping yeah. for something better. It was kept really short, and I thought the build to this is kind of cold, honestly. Both of these women are strong performers, but this story feels like it's a bit of an afterthought and that they've kind of done this already and it's like toxic attraction get all of the attention right in the women's division so these guys are kind of left out of that i feel like kai's new character is really not interesting to me at all this feuds like it again it feels something like we did already gonzalez gets a dominant win i guess kai continues to, in my opinion just kind of drift aimlessly through the new nxt right there isn't really a spot for accomplished veterans in this program so i don't know what she's going to do 
Um, there were a couple decent spots in this that looked like getting swung into the light thing looked good. The power bombs on the steps and on the garbage can looked good. But it was really too short to get into, and I thought it was underwhelming opener, to say the least, especially with these two involved. Gonzalez, after the match, then calls out Mandy Rose. She wants her rematch right now and isn't leaving the ring until she gets it. We then transition into a Tony D'Angelo vignette. He says he's been honest since he arrived at NXT and has done what he said he would do. He's not afraid of anyone, and he questions how bad Pete Dunne really is. Um, D'Angelo took Dunne's mouth guard, and Dunne did nothing about it. So I, this was actually more of a straightforward promo from D'Angelo, a little bit less of his usual shtick, kind of dialing the character back a little bit. I don't think it was good by any means still, but it annoyed me less than what he normally does, I guess I would say. So Raquel Gonzalez now is still in the ring yelling for Mandy Rose, but we get Cora Jade instead. Jade said she wants Mandy and Toxic Attraction to pay for hurting her shoulder at War Games, but Mandy won't put the title on the line and face her. Gonzalez calls Jade her girl, their friend still, obviously, but the title is every woman for themselves, and she will go through everyone, including Jade, to get her title shot. Jade said not if she gets there first. Ooh, the cocky young upstart, right? Um, Rose then, Mandy Rose, that is, shows up on the Tron in front of a pool somewhere looking glamorous, I guess, and wealthy is the it, point. Because it's Mandy Rose right. and it's them. And she announces a triple threat match at New Year's Evil. Oh, right, because who's going to announce it, right? Who's, was, yeah, who makes matches other, here. Other than commentary. That's right. So the other members of Toxic Attraction then attack the baby faces who are paying attention to the screen. So they get attacked from behind and they run Raquel Gonzalez through a table. So I kind of find this all confusing. Cora Jade earns a title shot for rolling up a couple people and getting injured in a cage match. Gonzalez now has to share her rematch just because Mandy Rose says so, right? Mandy Rose... Well, who else is going to say so, though? And Mandy Rose is a heel champion, but also a fighting champion, wanting to make... You know what I mean? Like a This heel, is why you need a general manager. A heel doesn't generally book themselves into a match where they're less likely to win than a singles match. Right, or right? where it's more difficult to win. So people just continue to book their own matches however they see fit. The whole story feels, it's interesting, lazy but rushed all at the same time. Yeah. I don't even know if that makes sense, but that's how it feels to me. Uh, we then get a recap. Well, I of, guess it could still be lazy if it's rushed because you just right. Like, that makes sense. They're not mutually exclusive things. So we get a recap of Harland throwing Brian Kendrick down the steps Poor last week. Poor Brian Kendrick. Harland and Gacy are here to issue an apology. So Gacy is the only one that speaks here. He does apologize for last week, but Harland is too shaken up to speak this week. But you can see the concern on his face, which you can't. But it, so that's why it's kind of funny, right? They don't condone violence. But Brian Kendrick called Harlan a Brian Kendrick. Put, called Harlan a freak and put his hands on him. And they were simply trying to follow orders and leave. So again, a little bit of heel logic. They were on their way out of the building, right? So it's kinda I like what he's saying here. He says, one could say Kendrick put it on himself, though he himself won't say that, right? Because that sounds judgmental or whatever, and he's not gonna do that. Mm -hmm. He hopes they can just learn from this. So I I kinda like this promo, I'm not gonna lie. There was some good heel logic for his character. They were leaving like they were told to do. And someone got in Harlan's face and triggered him, right? So it's kind of like he's not responsible for his actions. You should have just left him alone right. and let him leave. So it was this classic, like the non-apology apology that so many public right. figures make here. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it was kind of funny. This idea that 
this monster Harland, right, is this sensitive guy. And if you set him off, it's not really his fault. It's yours kind of thing, right? So I kind of like that. And Gacy's doing a good job in this role. We then get James Drake backstage. He's watching training videos of the Creed brothers in awe of them. Oh, just I thought because it was like near Christmas, they would um, watch the scene from Home Alone where he makes the plan on the giant piece of paper. And no. then they go to... Because remember, they did that? Yes. they're. Um, but he's in awe of the Creed brothers' ability, right? So right away, like way to make him look strong, right? Like, um, So Gibson then walks up and says that they'll beat the Creeds with their brains and not brawn and that that match is next. So I was annoyed that the veteran team is here admitting basically we can't hang with these rookies physically, so we're going to have to outsmart them, right? So yeah. just another <laughs> further making these guys look, awesome. look kind of pathetic in 2.0. Um, we then get Persia Parada. She walks up to Indy Hartwell backstage and says that their match got postponed. Grayson Waller walks in. Indy is still mad at him about Waller's attack on Gargano. That makes sense. Persia tells Waller that he needs to be worried about AJ Styles, but Waller shrugs it off and says they're all Australian stars and Indy needs to get over what Waller did to Gargano. Indy is still angry. She tries to get at Grayson Waller to attack him, but Persia holds her back and tells Grayson to leave. So, again, I really enjoyed Waller last week as the arrogant ass who doesn't bother to interact with anyone and sort of was soaking in the hatred of everybody in the company, right? But this week it's different. Waller seems to have kind of dialed that arrogance back, and I'm not enjoying it nearly as much. Now it kind of seems like he cares if people like him or not, and he is actively seeking to make alliances with people, where last week he thought it was hilarious that everybody hated him, right? And he really leaned into it. Now he's not doing that. So I'm finding it a little inconsistent. I much preferred the path he was on last week, but whatever. Um, I guess it's not up to me, and they've decided to go a slightly different route. Yep. We then get the Grizzled Young Veterans taking on the Creed Brothers. So the Creeds dominate this one early, um, and it's specifically Gibson until Drake gets involved, sort of to shift the momentum. The Creeds eventually take over again with their physical dominance, and then we get a blind tag by Grizzled Young Veterans. So that's the story that basically... Grizzled young veterans have to take shortcuts and use like veteran savvy to at all have a chance against these, you know, impressive young uh, amateur wrestlers. So we get a cool combination. It was a slingshot elbow to the floor by Drake into a backbreaker by Gibson that looked good. Oh, I feel like they've done that before. But then we get good old jacket time rundown. They run in with their own little announce table and set it up. And Vic Joseph questions if jacket time are now the Japanese announce team. And then, of course, just... Which they had one before, right? Like... Yes. To add to the cluster, we get Briggs and Jensen now walking down to ringside as well. We got to display the prominence of this tag team division, I guess, right? And the amazing teams we have on display. Right? So Jacket Time, I did laugh at this. They have headsets. And for some reason, it does cut to them doing commentary a couple times. So, again, like, who's running this show? You can just run down set up your own announce table, get headsets and microphones, and actually be included in the mix of the actual broadcast, right? So again, there's no authority figure here. Um, the Creeds go back to dominating after all the distractions on the outside of the other teams arriving. And then the finish comes. Gibson goes to powerbomb Brutus through the Japanese announce table, but Julius makes the save, and it ends in a DQ, as well, that's always exciting. It becomes a four-team brawl on oh, the outside. even better. So this... Match was more annoying than anything. Like, I may not have loved the story of the Grizzled Young Veterans being overmatched and having to use strategy and whatever, but at least it was a story. And these teams could probably do a fairly good job of telling it in the confines of a match if that's what they were asked to do, but they weren't. 
because then Jack at times shows up as a comedy act. Um, they distract the competitors and more annoyingly the commentary team because they really shifted to just talking about jacket time for quite a while and kind of ignoring the action going on in front of them. Then we got another team showing up and it just felt like a complete waste of time and really just a vehicle for these four teams to be out there at the same time and to interact. So I was not a fan. I felt like my time was being a bit wasted here. We then have Mackenzie Mitchell. She's with Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. She asked Carmelo. She actually wants trick williams to speak as well which is upsetting she yeah, asks if trick is. is going to conquer his fear against dexter loomis tonight carmelo hayes says trick isn't scared of anything unlike roderick strong oh trick then speaks right ah so we all just silently wait for his amazing delivery <laughs> he says loomis walks around with his eyes wide and his thumb up so if loomis does that tonight his thumb will end up going up his ass Wow, wait, what an amazing promo. Are you think EW watched this and they were like, let's show, let's get Jungle Boy. Who can Boy make more ass and... references this week? <laughs> Who can make the best ass we reference? We win two to one. Right. <laughs> uh, Loomis appears on the TV screen behind them. Trick gets scared, obviously, and he runs off with Carmelo. Um, man, Trick Williams is really bad on the mic. He tries to do way too much, way too early in his career, and he comes across really awkward, and honestly, he makes me cringe a little bit. It seems that every story involving Loomis becomes kind of silly, right? Like, there's no way around it. He, just, like, cartoonish stuff. I can't imagine that this match will be any good either. Um, so let me get this straight, right? Jack at Time have access to the audio feed. Dexter Loomis has access to the video feed. And all kinds of people are making their own matches, right? So it just sets this overall tone for me of silliness. And, like, it's not a serious product, which plagues it for me, right? Like, I want... A little bit of realism I know it's professional wrestling and it's all made up and it's fun and whatever but I need just a little bit of reality right and somebody has to be in charge of this product and they're not and it I find it annoying you know what I mean yeah <laughs> thanks for your input my computer shut off because I'm just like because you're talking talking so like... much and you're just sitting there saying nothing which is yes. great it's excellent yes. um, so earlier today Zoe Stark and EO are walking through a physio at a physio appointment, I guess. Stark thanks EO for coming, and EO says she has her own appointment, which I thought was a nice touch, right? It's still like EO doesn't like anybody. She's not, she's there for herself kind of thing. But Legato interrupt wearing their suits to a physio appointment, because that makes sense. Yep. Apparently they want to take EO and Zoe's appointment, I think is where this was going. Things obviously escalate. Electra Lopez shows up. She gets in EO's face, who then says something in Japanese, and Legato end up leaving. Stark suggests that EO was sticking up for Zoe, like, oh, you do like me, you're sticking up for me. And EO says she really doesn't like her. Um Sorry, Eo does deny liking Zoe to end the segment. So I was just Which like... Which is like their thing always. It is. What the hell is going on here? This is how you start a story between Eo and Lopez that they like. They showed up at Physio together and have trouble. Like, again, it felt lazy to me. And this has been a really tough first hour of the show. I was just in my notes. Sometimes it's just like, man, this is only an hour in. Yeah, but what's new? <laughs> so we get Loomis and Trick Williams in the match of the year, obviously. Diamond Mine are watching the match from the stands. Hayes notices them up there. Eventually, Roderick Strong comes down, and he and Hayes are brawling at ringside, and then they end up brawling to the back to sort of take them away from this match. So Williams is in control briefly with really basic stuff after the distraction at ringside. Loomis eventually fights back, hits a back suplex, jumping leg drop, and the silence after ducking a shoe attack from Williams, because that's his gimmick, right? As he attacks people with a shoe, 
that's really strong. Yep. I, I wish. Shoes are the most powerful weapon. Right. Um, it's not so like you wear them too, right? L- Loomis picks up the win in under six minutes. Williams is still really bad in the ring, and Loomis, like, I don't mind him, but he's nowhere good enough to carry a rookie to a good match, right? So this wasn't good. It was about what you would expect between these two. Grayson Waller then comes down. He attacks Loomis with a chair. As we see AJ Styles making his way into the building, so Waller has a seat in the chair in the ring and waits. We get a quick Pete Dunne video outlining his accomplishments. He talks about the new NXT guys being young and hungry, but I love this point, right? He keeps making... He is the same age as them, and he's hungrier and more accomplished and just better in general. He reminds Tony D'Angelo of what he did to him last week, and Dunn says he's the baddest man in NXT, and tonight he'll make sure that D'Angelo never forgets it. He is. Uh, A fine, straightforward promo. Dunn's point about being the same age as these new recruits is interesting to me. Yeah, right, because he's considered like such a veteran. And honestly, in my mind, I consider him one too, because he's just been around. And it's almost like he has to remind NXT people, like the personnel, hey, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not a veteran old like Gargano and whatever that you have to fire. I'm still really young. He was like what he's probably 25 he was like 20 when yeah right like that was like probably like what it was he and bait like 19 and 21 or whatever right yeah but he was 19 he was like yeah 20 or 21 right yes and so like him and bait are both super young and honestly i forget that about both of them just like he's super it's kind of like him going hey you don't need to bury me i I, i'm experienced but i'm still really young right Right. he's so experienced like honestly i legit forget don't lump me in with the veterans and make me lose everything honestly he's so good he just like you assume he is like one of these like veterans so waller is in the ring now talking about how he hates it when wwe stars get inducted into the hall of fame and when they suck up to the fans um that's like odd like the opinion of the fans matters is basically what he's saying when he gets inducted he'll say you're welcome to the fans he says he's done what he promised to do and when his music hits but instead it's aj styles music hits he comes out as waller takes credit for bringing stars to nxt which i thought was a nice touch right like Hey, look, I'm bringing major stars here because they're yeah. coming to see me. <laughs> That's funny. Waller mentions that AJ's meal ticket has left him, talking about Omos, right? Or Omos or whatever. Omos. And that AJ Styles is looking for someone new to keep him relevant, which I kind of like too. Burn. So AJ fires back, accusing Waller of kind of basically ripping off his look, right? He says, I noticed you're wearing gloves. I noticed you're wearing one knee pad, just like I do kind of thing. He says Waller has potential, but he's not a future superstar like Braun Breaker or... The other two people he mentions, actually Carmelo Hayes, that's fine. And then who's the other one he mentions, do you think? Uh, Turk Williams. Tony D'Angelo. Uh. So there's a short list of who they kind of value, I think, right? Uh, Waller would look rather good, uh, sorry, would rather look good and lose than look bad and win. Waller then says that AJ's insurance policy isn't here and he's in Waller's ring. He could end AJ's career right now and AJ challenges him to do it. AJ says that Waller has a good has had a good three weeks but aj has had 20 good years so waller should just do it and attack him waller teases the attack then obviously because he's the heel backs out of the ring leaves saying almost can beat up styles first um i actually thought this was a good interaction despite it not really making sense that aj styles is there seems weird that he would show up just because he got insulted on social media right in if this were real and it's this easy i think every heel nxt star right would be calling out someone on the main roster to get them right. there to get a rub so i thought the actual interaction was good but the reason for it happening doesn't really make sense to me each of them made some good points and it wasn't too long so it was actually a decent segment uh we then get malcolm bivens he's with diamond mine says that carmelo and trick 
found out the hard way that you don't disrespect Diamond Mind. Mind, sorry. The challenge is laid out. Hayes versus Roderick Strong. Here we go. You ready? Title versus title. Oh, yeah. Mello has two weeks to find his balls. Um, Malcolm Bivens is awesome. Really strong performer. Delivers really Wait, like, well. Title for title. Like... They're getting rid of the cruiserweight. They have to be, right? Really? I would think so. I guess. What no, I, I thought they were at least they would change it and not get rid of it. I think they'll just mm, he'll absorb it. Um, that works though, at least because Carmelo was yeah he, he qual at least they're going with he qualified him. for I it. can appreciate although technically Champa did too yes I don't know if he still does but so Bivens did his good work here he's great as a manager and he only left Roddy one line to say which is always a smart move I think the find your balls was Roddy mm. so I will see where that goes oh boy MSK and Matt Riddle are out on their scooters um. And Riddle uses this extended metaphor that scooters are like a tag team partner. And I'm not going to recap it because it was stupid and I just don't want to. So, But they all basically love each other is what you need to know. And Riddle has filled their magic bag with Randy Orton merchandise. That's just so great. <laughs> so MSK will call out Imperium next week and Riddle will be with them is what we get. Uh, poor Riddle. So wait, it gets weirder. They ride off on scooters. Okay. Get hit by a car, but it was all a dream because now MSK are sitting at the bus stop again and are basically just super high, I think, is that they like blacked really? out or whatever. Really? So riddled. Oh, my God. And they swear off of using any more supplies, so they're not going to do any more drugs because it leads to them blacking out. But the Orton merchandise is still in the bag, so maybe it wasn't a dream. Who cares? Who cares? That doesn't even make sense. Then a bus pulls up and Riddle gets off the bus. Um, so again, painful to watch. Three stoners having adventures and blacking out, I guess, is what this was. There's no way that their target demographic finds this entertaining, right? It's so juvenile and so stupid. I can't believe it constantly gets time on TV. All three of these guys come off looking worse and worse with each one of these segments. I don't know how anyone could take MSK at all serious in the ring after this, right? Like, how are you going to have them face Imperium and actually believe that they can do anything. I don't know. I continue to despise this story and these vignettes. Then we get Von Wagner taking on Idris Inafe. Um, a brief flurry by Inafe to start. I was getting ready in my notes to put, then Wagner takes over and squashes him, but no. Uh, Wagner does catch him, takes over, until Inafe counters a powerbomb into a roll-up and picks up the win in just over one minute. So obviously, because Wagner's a heel and we need to keep establishing that, he attacks Inofe after the match and leaves him lying. And then as he's leaving the ring, Robert Stone was at ringside, I guess, and sort of Wagner bumps into him as he walks away. So a surprise loss for Wagner. I don't really care. It only took a couple minutes, and I don't know what's going on with Robert Stone. I assume he's going to get destroyed by Wagner at some point, maybe to turn a babyface. To turn stone baby face, not Wagner. Yes. Or, or Wagner will turn him to stone. It's just hard to care. <laughs> Mackenzie talks to Imperium about MSK. Bartel speaks in German, says that Imperium ripped out MSK's heart and shattered it. And now MSK are trying to pick up the pieces. Eichner speaks Italian, talks about sending MSK away after winning their I first... I do like when they speak their languages. It's kind of cool. Me too. After their first tag team championships. Mackenzie asked if a focused MSK pose a threat, and Bartel says that MSK may have found a shaman, but Imperium has a general. Yeah. A, a riddle, Walter, Ooh. would be yes. amazing. Yes. Right? That. If, okay, mark my words. If I get that, I will watch if it. If that somehow gets on NXT something or other, then I'm okay with not 
I mean, not okay with the shaman vignettes, but a riddle Walter match is very interesting. I will watch. I will watch that. Okay, I'm saying it on record right now. So for me, Imperium are one of the few shining lights on this show. They come across like stars to me. I also love that they speak German and Italian as well as English in their promos. It's a shame that they're involved with the stupidity that is MSK, but hopefully they can dispatch of MSK, keep the championships, and move on, because I think Imperium's a really great act right now. A little surprising they're still in NXT, to be honest, but I'm glad because nowhere else in WWE cares about tag teams at all. So it sounds like we may get a Walter Riddle match, and that is, I don't care how we get there, I want to see that match. Electra Lopez is backstage with Legato. She says this is the biggest match of her career, but she's not nervous. She's going to destroy Io Shirai. She walks away, and we see Zion Quinn lurking in the distance. And I just, my note was, anyone else smell a screwy finish to this match? Uh, yes. Yes, yes you do. It doesn't smell very good, actually. No, it doesn't. NXT people do charity stuff. <laughs> That's a nice summary. Because they were doing this, look how great we are, and we volunteer and donate stuff to kids, I guess. So good for them. Um, Electra Lopez taking on Io Shirai. Lopez controls things with basic power moves and a chin lock to start. Io fights back with a sort of a flurry with a 619, a missile drop kick, and the running double knees in the corner. The momentum shifts again. Lopez knocks Io off the top. Zion Quinn walks to the ring, takes out Legato as they try to sort of intercept him. Quinn has a flower in his mouth. I think upon further review, it's mistletoe. I saw, and I was just like, are you kidding me? So he approaches Lopez. He gets up on the apron. He acts like he will give it to her. Escobar shows up, pulls Quinn off the apron. They start to brawl, and in the aftermath, Io hits a palm strike and her moonsault to win the match in just Oh, yeah. Electra Lopez lost. A four-minute match, basically. I, I mean, I don't love Io needed all kinds of distractions to beat a rookie, which I'm not a fan of. This was about the match that... This was more... Ab- Sorry, it was less about the match than the Lopez, Quinn, Escobar stuff. And for me, it's kind of gross that this is the only way Io gets a match on this show, right? At one point not long ago, I was considering her, like, possibly the best wrestler, period, right? On the planet for me. Yep. And now she... This is how she gets used, right? As just yep. sort of an add-in that needs help to beat Electra in Lopez romance, in four line. minutes. Right. Uh, what a shame for her. Mello... Carmelo, that is, Hayes is in the locker room. He is angry. He says that he is the A champion. He never missed when he shot in 2021. He's going to give Roderick Strong the title match, and we will be walking out with two titles. He says... uh, But will one of them be unified? I think they'll get rid of one eventually. I thought Mello was really good here, and Trick Williams was silent, so this was a fine, like, 30-second promo. I think it would be cool for him to do that, though, because I don't remember someone, like, unifying another title into a title... Yeah. Um, since maybe they'll put Rob Van no, Dam, because for me, like they did that with um, uh, Randy Orton in 2013, but that was like combining the two titles. I mean, right. like when like like Rob Van Dam was Intercontinental Champion, he faced Jeff Hardy, who's European Champion, and he absorbs the European title into the Intercontinental title and absorbs the Hardcore title, like something like that. You know what I mean? I could see Melo winning it, renaming it, and just giving it to Trick Williams, and Trick Williams is the whatever champion. Why would you say that? Sorry. If that happens, I will never watch it ever again. I, 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 so maybe I'll go back, but if that happens, if Trick Williams is given anything like that, I will never, ever return. So Brian Kendrick is in a neck brace. The Brian Kendrick. Thanks to Joe Gacy for Harlan's attempted apology here. Um, or sorry, thanks Joe Gacy for it. He says that somehow Gacy feels Kendrick owes Harland an apology. Well, Kendrick has signed a waiver and is able to compete again. He pulls off yeah. the neck, neck brace and he'll be in the ring next week. 
So to me, this feels like Harland is so limited that they're literally finding a way for him to wrestle one of the trainers on TV, right? Like this is a safe way. Oh my God. Well, I think he's a producer. Whatever. It's what it feels like. Can't be a ringing endorsement of Harland's current you know, abilities. I would like... But Kendrick is cool. I would like Brian Kendrick even as a... Matt Seidel on AEW. Yeah, that'd be the exact. <laughs> Matt Seidel is a, um, a what? What would you call it? Like, he's like a gatekeeper. No, but like I'm using Matt Seidel. He's like Matt Seidel's an adjective or something. Oh, like I'm saying Brian Kendrick could be a Matt Seidel. You know? Yes, he could. Or like, but I really like his WWE theme. So I, if they use his WWE theme next week, that or like his regular theme, that would be very nice. I'd like it a lot. We will see. So it's main event time. Tony D'Angelo taking on Pete Dunne. Um, we get a nice high angle suplex early on by D'Angelo. So Dunn keeps going for D'Angelo's arm and D'Angelo keeps kind of countering it with throws and suplexes is a good chunk of this match. So Dunn flips out of a German, hits two kicks to the head before, um, knee dropping both of D'Angelo's hands, sort of his fingers on the apron. Pete Dunn then works as he does the arm of Tony D'Angelo until D'Angelo fires up, no sells some chops and takes down Dunn with a double leg takedown. We get another suplex from D'Angelo, but Dunn holds onto his arm and applies a triangle choke that I thought was a pretty cool uh, counter and transition. D'Angelo powers out of that, throws Dunn overhead to break the hold. We get another D'Angelo suplex that sends Dunn into the turnbuckles. Dunn picks up the pace then with a flurries of uh, varied offense here. We get a kneeling strike exchange, then a surprise kind of sudden falcon arrow from D'Angelo. D'Angelo tries to use a crowbar, which kind of I don't even know where he got it from. But he's Dunn, an Italian mobster, okay? Yeah, just has it at all times. Exactly. Dunn counters it with an armbar, a fish hook to escape it by D'Angelo, and he goes... Is, is it a literal fish hook? No. Okay. He goes after the mouth guard again. Dunn blocks the neckbreaker that is usually leads to D'Angelo's finisher, right? It's that... Right, well, uh, was it the, it was the neckbreaker. Is it, it, a, was it just a neckbreaker? Wasn't it like Northern Light Suplex and then a neckbreaker? Yeah, so he goes, sort of blocks the neckbreaker finisher snaps d'angelo's fingers and then just quickly hits the bitter end for the win in just over 12 minutes he won. Here. let's go so d'angelo goes to attack after the match but pete dunn's one step ahead for a moment at least the action then spills outside d'angelo ends up getting the upper hand hits his twisting neckbreaker to dunn on the floor he then chokes dunn with the crowbar before smashing dunn's wrist with it to end this episode of nxt so I actually enjoyed this match and thought it was a very solid NXT, especially 2.0 main event. Easily, easily, easily D'Angelo's best match in NXT. He started out being really annoying because he had time to like mug the camera and do his character work, which is awful. Uh, but then as the match picked up, he just became a wrestler, right? He sort of dropped the obnoxious character work. Things got really interesting. He showcased a ton of good throws and suplexes. He worked really well with Dunn, who looked good in this as well. D'Angelo then sort of shifted back into character after the match. Things kind of got silly again. But it was nice to see that D'Angelo's capable of this type of match, right? He and really it, looked it good here. And it also illustrates how stupid their characters are. And all, it's probably an endorsement of how good Pete Dunn is, too, to pull such a good match out of this guy. Um, I mean, who knows? Maybe D'Angelo's not great and we're getting another Tom McGee. <laughs> yeah, right. He D'Angelo oh, still needs still still needs work on a few things, but his offense does look pretty good, and he pulled off a successful main event, which I was very skeptical of going into this. So I have to give him credit. His his gimmick, I think, is going to start to hold him back at some point because it's ridiculous. No, right? it will definitely hold him back because I 
I even think it's holding them back to a degree in this. Like, I don't know. Not necessarily in NXT because they seem to welcome it. Yeah. But, like... And if he can actually go not... in the ring, right? Like, he doesn't have to be a cartoon character. Right. When I, when they told me he was an amateur wrestler, I was like... Because he does not even, like... He doesn't even dress like one. Like, no. He dresses like his idiotic character. Yes. So, I was pretty impressed by this. So... But the show, to me, was back to having that really frantic... Similar to the first couple episodes of 2.0 where they were just throwing so much new talent at us. So this felt, they weren't throwing new talent, but it felt like just a breakneck speed where they don't take any time to marinate in anything or to sort of absorb anything. It's just on to the next thing right away. It feels like WWE think this is a pedal to the metal, like who cares if it makes sense style is supposed to appeal to the younger demographic. I'm not in that demographic. Um, I guess I am technically. I'm at the top end of it. But for me, it feels rushed, unfocused, and just kind of ridiculous. I pretty much hated this show from top to bottom and struggled to get through it. I enjoyed the main event, the Gacy segment, the Imperium promo, and the Waller-AJ interaction was fine, despite I don't get how we got there. The rest of this show was pretty much a waste of time and painful to watch. So I'm not going to fail it, but I'm going to give it a D- this week. Uh, worse than the previous two weeks, um, as those shows at least started with entertaining matches, right? Where this week's street fight between Gonzalez and Kai I thought was really disappointing for me. And then that was followed by kind of a generic Champa Breaker segment. So I liked the main event and really not a whole lot else about this. So it barely passed D minus. All right. Nice. Ready to go back to our rewind match? Yeah. Talk about it. And you said you knew a whole bunch of background on it. Oh, so I, yes. I've got backup just in case. Oh, I'm going to I went so and good. found it, but I'm, you actually know it. It will be all from memory. Okay, go ahead. My child brain uh, remembered things. So what is the match? Um, So I was going to pick a different match, but that match was not the match that I thought the match was going to be. So right. I picked a different match, which was going to be my original pick. But no, anyways, um, it's the Shield versus the New Day from Survivor Series 2017. And just one thing to note was I thought it was, I, I, I can't remember, it's kind of weird because this was obviously an interpromotional match, Shield being from Raw. Right. As denoted by their shirts. They're awful um, shirts. I think they're funny. Um, And the New Day are from SmackDown. But, so see, it's an interpromotional match, but it's not even champion versus champion. And it's not a Survivor Series elimination tag, which, because every other year and like this year, like it's always either a champion versus champion or a survivor right. series tag. So I thought this was kind of an interesting case, but it was kind of like the rare occasion to get this kind of dream match supposedly. So, and this was the opener on this show. It was. Yeah, actually I remember yes. that. Background. Um, go ahead. I'll okay. fact check you. So it, I've got it ready. I can start us at like probably in the summer where they started the Rollins and Ambrose kind of reuniting storylines. They started a few at the bar. They won the tag titles at SummerSlam. Right. Defended him at No Mercy where Cesaro got his teeth knocked up his face. Well, that was um, awful, yes. And so, yeah, right, they're a team. And then, um, there's, and then, right, and so, skip forward a little bit to, like, October My notes started in November 6th, but go ahead. Um, well, it was in October where, so there was the Miz TV segment where he's given the Mizzies. It was like him, Curtis Axel, and the bar. I <laughs> yeah. See, I'm, I'm good at this, right? Yeah. And this was like after they teased uh, the Shield backstage the previous week, right? And then so I remember um, the Miz, at the, his last time was um, all the rumors about the Shield reuniting are exactly what you are, nothing but hype. And then Roman's like, who said anything about rumors? And then they reunite, and then... Later, it comes in back when they start the Survivor Series shenanigans, right? When yep. the, the only time WWE ever cares about it, right? And um, the New Day lead a SmackDown, quote-unquote, Siege of Raw. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember it started during um, 
the Shield, or Ambrose and Rollins, rather, defending the tag titles against the bar. And I remember, because I was super excited about them facing the Usos, but then the New Day ended up costing the Shield the match inadvertently. They appeared in the crowd to make Raw believe that SmackDown were invading them again. Right, oh right, so they had Siege before, and then this was the second um, kind right. of fake Siege. And so that led led the bar to win the tag titles, and then uh, I think it was on the home, the go-home SmackDown, um, the Shield led a Raw invasion of SmackDown, and they triple powerbomb Shane McMahon, and then that led to this match. Right, so that's close to what I have. So I have... Hey, that was all from memory. So the whole fake invasion thing, then General Manager Kurt Angle signaled for the Raw locker room to go after the New Day. During the distraction, Sheamus pinned Rollins to win the Raw Tag Team Championships for himself and Cesaro. Roman Reigns, I guess the detail was here, he'd been out with an illness, right? So he returned the following week, and the Shield challenged the New Day to a six-man tag team match at Survivor Series, which was made official. Uh, The following night on SmackDown, the Shield invaded SmackDown during New Day's tag team match against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Oh, right, it was. I remember from the clip. Owens and Zayn bailed while the Shield attacked the New Day. And that's how we got here. And the bar were there, and Braun Strowman was there. I feel like Baron Corbin might have been there. So Um, tell us about this match and the awful t-shirts that the Shield are wearing. Well, yeah, so I remember in 2016, Rollins had like a half Raw, half Seth Freakin' Rollins shirt. And so this year they had, and Ambrose had half Raw, half Shield shirts. Yes. Which, they look bad, but they're also... Very amusing to me. Yes. And remember Rollins also did that the following year as well. Because it's just very funny. Because it's not very aesthetically pleasing. But at the same time, I like it. And it's just hard to believe that these guys would choose those shirts to wear. If they weren't being told to wear them. I I would rather them just wear a shield shirt, to be honest. Or not shirts. Like, they don't ever wear shirts. So why are they wearing shirts now? But anyways. No, they could wear shirts. Um... So uh, we start with like a back and forth between Ambrose and Kingston until slap from Ambrose. And then Rollins and Woods tag in. They do kind of have a back and forth too. Still clothesline from Rollins. And then comes the face off between Reigns and Big E who also have a back and forth. So it's kind of like the... The big men. The members squaring off against each other. Right. Although if what they're going for is the kind of like the the similar members, I would have gone the Rollins and Kingston. Rollins versus Kingston route. And then Woods and Ambrose. But whatever. Yeah. Um, that's kind of too specific. Um, the Shield take out the New Day, and then they do, like, so it's where, like, they kind of join hands, and they do, like, a triple clothesline to clothesline both Kingston and Big E out of the ring. I remember the bar did that to New Day to eliminate them at from that year's Royal Rumble. Right. Um, there's a bit of a combo flurry by Ambrose and Rollins for two on Woods, which is kind of nice. Um, bit of a hot tag flurry by Kingston capped off by Boom Drop, a very mute hot tag. Like, A, I didn't think, like, it was as fast-moving as most hot tags, and the crowd really didn't, like... I feel like usually the crowds pick up the on The crowd were struggling to get into this to start, I thought. Yeah. And, and you pointed out that it was a heel-heel dynamic, and that's no, always... No, face-face. Or, sorry, face-face, and that's always tough for the crowd, right? right? Um, And, see, it is weird, because I think generally probably the Shield's more popular, but this is also, like, fresh off the heels of their reunion, like I said, mm-hmm. right? So it's also, like, the New Day's been popular for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, So the New Day do the, the unicorn sanity yeah. where they keep tagging out. Hate I hate f- I forgot they... I, I, well, I didn't forget, but I, I kind of forgot they and used to do that. And it spawned, like, other people doing similar stuff, right? Where you tag in and just do a basic move, like what Legato, Legato does, does the clotheslines. Clothes I think New Day's works at least just a little annoying. better. 
Um, they do that on Ambrose, who avoids the final basement dropkick, but the tag is cut at, cut off, and they resume the stampede. Biggie hits the apron spear to Ambrose, which is always like it's a little dangerous, but that was the safest nice... one I've seen in a while yeah. for sure. Um, but it's always a cool move, at least. Yep. Um, top rope dropkick to Biggie by Ambrose, and then he makes a hot tag to Rollins. Um, later on, Rollins hits a buckle bomb, followed by flying clothesline by Reigns to Woods for two. Rip Courtney, a dirty sort revolutionary, <laughs> yes, As, or the Kingslayer, mm-hmm. uh, the Rip Courtney uh, slash Dirty Deeds combo after a frenzy by Rollins and Ambrose, but Woods breaks the pin. He kind of shoves Rollins and Rollins grabs his head. It, it looked weird. Um, Ambrose and Reigns take a big and Kings on the outside. They look for the triple, sorry, the shield bomb. Right, right. Oh, I will never forget. I think it was after. It was either the show they reunited or the show after, but like the, I, it was one of those like after they go off the air, they power bomb Miz through the table, or it might have been the week after, and they and then Michael Cole's like shield bomb, shield bomb, yep. and then like I was just so like yeah, because it had always been the triple power bomb, right? It's just lazy. It is. It's like the the KLR bomb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Uh. But so B- Biggie pulls Reigns out of the ring and t- sends him in the barricade. Kingston hits. Rollins with the Trouble in Paradise, and Woods hits an Ambrose with the Shining Wizard, which was is kind of one of his signature moves, I remember. I feel like Woods doesn't really have, like, a tangible finisher other than that really long jump elbow drop. And right. Even then, that's, that's the only thing I remember. That's, like, a signature, right? Like, I feel like Kingston and Biggie have their definitive finishers, and I feel like I can never really pinpoint one on Woods. Um, a double midnight hour to Rollins and Ambrose, um, but Reigns spears Biggie to break up the pin. Um, both teams roll in the ring, but the Shield get the upper hand, and they seal the deal with a Avalanche triple powerbomb, which I remember fondly. Yep. Big finish. Yep. Um, so this was a good opener, right, involving six talented wrestlers, I think, but I find myself just in general personally struggling somewhat with WWE main roster style, right? It's definitely more performative, I guess would be the word, than realistic and violent with a lot of cool spots. Right, so if you contrast that with almost any current WWE or sorry AEW trios match, right, it sort of doesn't hold up very well. But um, that being said, these six put on an entertaining match for sure. Rollins and Ambrose seem to do most of the heavy lifting for the Shield, while Roman I think was protected for the most part. He's just less capable than them at this point too, I think. And the crowd was already very mixed on Roman Reigns, right? Right, and I do notice that like he's always more popular in the Shield because like people love the Shield, yes. right? And naturally, he's a part of the Shield, so they have to like him at yes, the point, right? That's true. It's more so Roman Reigns that they don't like because I feel like everyone loves the Shield pretty yep. much. I thought New Day sort of slipped into the roles of heels near the end of this when they took the bit. Shield out on the floor. Definitely, um, yeah, because the Shield had reunited, right? So I feel yes. like if. New Day works better. And th- I thought that sort of dynamic helped a little bit. There's a couple choreographed New Day spots near the end I didn't think were perfect. Let's not forget, this was the year of the New Day Uso feud as well. Big, Big E seemed a bit out of sync a couple times near the end, but they grabbed the crowd's attention and provided something a little bit different. The finish looked cool, but I don't. I was just like, where are the rest of the New Day? Because they were just not there for so long, right? And didn't get involved in the pinfall or anything. I guess it was anything, kind of the brawl, I think it was, or something. Overall, I thought it was a good main roster opening match not amazing everybody worked hard i enjoyed the match but it was tough to watch dean ambrose specifically now knowing what he's yes. capable of right and just how like i wrestle. used to not care but like some of the way that he would do things even just like his stomp the just corner like stomp sterilized sort of in- institutionalized it, i still ambrose will always love it but like it is really weird to see now because yes. like just knowing how what what he is now like yes. what he's done in the past couple years 
I enjoy the match for what it was overall, and I would give it a very solid B. Like it was a good match. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was amazing, but it was good. I thought it was a pretty solid match. I I was it was very very mean Ostrata, but I think it was good for that style. And at the time, it was finally like it was one of those dream matches between like two of the the best modern day right. factions, not named Undisputed Era. Right. Um. Viewing this now, it's admittedly not quite as good as I remember, but I, as a kid, but of course, that's not how that's how nostalgia works, right? Naturally, it's not always as good as you remember. Right. But I still really liked it. I remember the Avalanche Triple Powerbomb being a cool finish, and then I remember the next year they put it in 2K. Yes. Um. So I always thought that was cool. Um. I I liked a lot of this, but yeah, Dean Ambrose is definitely a bit of a not. An, I don't know if it's a tough watch, but it's just it's definitely just weird. It suffers a bit, right? Because you now have a whole new company that's putting out a different product and a different style that you can now compare it to we, right. when you had it before it's so di- there it's wasn't so conflicting for me too because i i love dean Ambrose. Right. he's always my favorite just naturally i don't know why he was my favorite and now and it's just we always have to qualify by that style it was a good match right, right. If, you, if they put right. this on dynamite i'd be like it was okay right and but, if but if like and if without aw i would say this is good like i would right. say it was like a good match yep because that's all i know but now it's like aw is just so different and so overall i'd say it was a good match by main roster standards <laughs> exactly Qualify um it. for me i i'd go i'd read a little higher just because it's um good memory for me uh b plus probably nostalgia effect bumps yeah. it up yeah nice and this this was the good shield reunion i mean it didn't last long because yeah. of dm's injury but this was like the legitimate shield reunion for me before then the next two years they did it we need ratings right now right Let's they bring them back. did it because and i think it's also the the 2018 one was make Roman popular because that was right. It was literally the raw after he won the right. Universal title. Just make Roman popular and I don't know. Just yeah. So a solid match. You guys can check that out. The only other thing it is I, on YouTube. Yeah. The only other thing for any other wrestling business was I watched. I told you PWG from 2016. It's on YouTube as well. Jeff Cobb taking on Ricochet. Uh, about a 15 minute match. I pretty much loved it. It's what you would think, right? Ricochet flying all over the place. Jeff Cobb catching him repeatedly and just throwing him around the ring. Awesome contrast in styles. Just an absolute powerhouse. Um, An amateur wrestler against Ricochet. So excellent match. 15 minutes. Direct contrast to the safe performative WWE match we just reviewed. And I'm I'm telling you, I found a playlist of like 25, whatever, supposed to be the top 25 PWG matches. So I may kind of work through that in my spare time sort of thing. So it was a very fun match to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's going to bring us to our final segment, which is Jack's going to update us on the world of wrestling action figures in a segment we so cleverly call Figuring It Out with Jack. Um, so um, not much here, but um, I'll probably talk about um, all my Christmas stuff next week because um, obviously we're recording this in the morning, so... Um, and we usually spread out our stuff during the day, right? So you're I'll, a spoiled boy with lots of gifts. So yes. you'll open more later. <laughs> so I'll talk. I'll try to remember to talk about all those uh, next week if we can. And we may but, throw it up on YouTube too. We'll um, see. We may even do that. Yeah. Um, but so just some reveals from they did some like kind of Christmas time reveals. Um, it wasn't anything super major. It's mostly just images revealed. Um, so we have essentially the Dark Order series. Um, AEW Match Series Three, um, which we have Dark Orders Anna J. Um, which I mean it looks solid like it looks like her it's pretty good yep. not the most interesting one because i don't really need that but that's all right um we have my boy Stu grayson nice that's really nice good for him yep um also evil uno so nice. that's very nice I'm happy for them. them good canadian boys and also uh johnny hungy nice John Silver, so that's pretty nice and of course 
with the um, gold logo, red strap, TNT title, Mr. Brody Lee, which awesome. looks really nice. That's a cool figure. It's the gray pants uh, gear, which that looks really awesome. That's when you leave in the box and collect it, I think. Yeah, that, that one's really nice. There's also supposed to be the LGN sale Darby Allen, but um, that's been delayed because they're trying to make it in scale with the Cody one from Series 1. Right. Um, The Chase, um, or sorry, the rare variant, one of 3,000, will be Anna J in like a different gear. With the black sleeves and whatnot. Nice. And then the Chase variant, which is one of 5,000, is Brody Lee in like a black and purple gear. So getting two Brody Lees. That's um, the one to get. If you can find it, I guess. It'll be tricky to find. But cool that he's going to get two figures. I think those look really nice. Um, It'll also be a way to get that new TNT tile, too. Although, I don't know if you know, they have like um, um, one of the Amazon things, I think, is a belt pack. So you get like all four belts. It's the um, uh, AEW title the TNT title, the red strap, gold logo, and yeah. then the two tag titles. So it's kind of interesting. On Amazon? Like exclusive? Think, yeah, or? one of those things. Nice. Um, And then we also have, uh, they put the pre for, up for pre-orders, the Unrivaled 2-pack of Omega and Mox, which I think is the Blood and Guts series from the Barbed Wire match. Looks like it. Yeah, so exploding that's... Exploding Death Match? Exploding Barbed Wire Death Match, mm-hmm. yep. And Explosion then, may be optional. <laughs> I showed you this because I thought it was pretty cool. They also revealed the AW pop-up entrance stage. Um, which they did do for the WWE figures a little while ago, but it's basically it's the usual entrance stage. It's got instead of the two trons, it's the one tron in the middle, right. and the light bars, and then the tunnels, which looks like you could probably fit the figures through there. Um, it's just like cop, uh, like uh, pop up with cardboard, but you can actually um change out the tron screen to say so it, it could have you could have dynamite, dark, all out, double or nothing, full gear, or revolution. That's cool. Only one they're really living out is dark elevation, but I don't think that that's matters. A, that's a, lot. a cool idea. Yeah, it's really nice. Um. I'm not sure if I'll get it, but like I wouldn't mind getting that. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, but I'm so sure I think you would. I think that's really cool. Um, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, I guess that's going to bring us to the end of episode 75. Once again, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yes. If you're a celebrator of Christmas, Merry Christmas. If you're just having a holiday, I hope you get to see family if it's safe for you to do so. I hope you enjoy your holidays. I hope it's restful and everybody stays healthy and enjoys themselves. So we will be back here next Saturday for episode 76. Not sure if there are anything in the works before then, but just if you follow or subscribe or whatever, you'll find out if we do publish anything. We'd really appreciate any attention you can give us. And we'll definitely be back here next Saturday for episode 76. And until then, take care. Peace.